genre. Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. Today, we are continuing our miniseries on the Jurassic Park franchise with the first sequel not adapted from a novel. It's 2001's Jurassic Park 3. And we have a guest joining us to talk about Rescue Mission Lies, Child Survivors, and Theme Park Monsters is Andrew Dorowski. Welcome. Hello. This is uh, uh, Jurassic Park 3. Um, you know, it's a film that is in and out in like 88 minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah. When I, I I like pulled this up to watch it, I was like, this is going to be a tight 80 minute, like 89 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Like with it's, credits and everything. It's like, this is a tight, tight picture. Yeah. It's very, it's very tight. Um, so... And there's there's reasons for that, which I will, I will go into. But uh, Andrew, what is your connection to the jurassic park franchise overall um i'm actually like weirdly most connected to the original jurassic park and and this one like i had not seen the lost world oh because even though my family like had it on tape i think they felt it was like scarier than jurassic park in in some ways which which having seen it now like i, I get that um, but also they just like, I, I think my parents just didn't like it as much. And so they didn't watch it. Yeah. And um, so we had Jurassic Park and I watched that a bunch. When it came out, I was probably too young, but I saw it by the time I was like six or seven, I think, mm-hmm. which is probably like theoretically also still too young. But I think that's when you should watch Jurassic Park is like when you're still too young to really see it. Well, I think I think that the trick to Jurassic Park, I think it's good for kids to get a little scared by a movie, mm-hmm. but also like then be able to watch like behind the scenes stuff and see like how they made the scary stuff. Because I think it like connects some wires in, in your brain as like a growing child to be like, Oh, this is all make believe, you know, like it's, yeah, I, 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 I like, I, I think that's good. I think it's healthy. And also like yeah. part of a child's fascination with dinosaurs is that they're, they have the potential to be scary. Yeah. You know, kind mm-hmm. of like monsters or aliens and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so like, so I think about it now. My kids are three and four years old, and they love dinosaurs. Like, they're all in on dinosaurs. They're watching Land Before Time movies all the time. They're watching Dino Ranch on Disney+. Plus. Like, <laughs> they've got dinosaur books. Like, they are all in on the dinosaurs. Yeah. And I, like, look at my wife. When I think like like we're like talking about Jurassic Park and I like look at her and she's like, no, they're three and four <laughs> years old. Like, no, I'm like, yeah, yeah. But like, really, like maybe. And <laughs> and because like in my mind, if you wait until your kid is 11 years old and they haven't seen Jurassic Park, it's too late. 
Yeah. Right? Like, it it won't hit right. Yeah. And so they, even though it's, like, PG-13, it's like, yeah, it's a little intense and scary. It's like, yeah, but they've got to see it when they're, like, six or seven. Yeah, like, I think that's Even six. by the time they're nine, that's yeah. pushing it. Yeah, that's six, I, seven, eight range, I think, is, like, the perfect range to go see it. Mm-hmm. I can only speak from my experience as a 90s kid, but yeah. I grew up definitely <clears throat> devouring Jurassic Park on, on VHS as well as the Land Before Time sequels. Oh, yeah. Um, but I was a weird kid. Like, the Gremlins scared me way more than Jurassic Park ever did. Mm. Like, yeah. well, and yeah. And like Jurassic Park's not like it's it's intense more than it's scary. And so mm. it should be like one of the one of the earlier, like really intense movies that a kid watches. Where it's yeah. like, okay, this sequence is going to be loud and there's gonna be a lot of stress, and you're you're going to like be tense as mm. the Tyrannosaur attacks the cars and you know pushes one over the cliff and everything. Like it's that's like a solid 10 minutes of Okay, but like my heart is racing. And so yeah. you want to get that while while the kids are still young. So I think like five, six, seven is where I want this to happen for my kids. Yeah. And then I didn't see so so I that's probably how old I was when when I saw Jurassic Park. I didn't see it in the theater because I would have been way too young. But when we got it on tape, I think my parents like had a discussion and, and by the time I was like five, I probably had seen it. Uh-huh. And then like by the time I was like seven or eight, I was like enjoying it or appreciating it to some degree. Yeah. And then Lost World, I just, it, like, never came up for me. Like, it wasn't brought up for something that we would watch as a family. And I never, like, grabbed the tape myself. But then for this one, I remember us renting it and watching it as a family. And so I felt, like, a big attachment to, to Jurassic Park 3. Um, and so, so, like, in my head, when I thought about Jurassic Park, I thought about the first one and the third one. And, and that was it, you know, for a long time. I was, like, I was, like, 11 years old when Jurassic Park 3 came out. We rented it. We didn't have it on VHS, but we rented it and it like stuck with me. Like it had enough staying power. Then like, I think about this movie like way too often for, <laughs> you know, the, the third part in this franchise that, you know, is, is not thought a lot about as a trilogy, right? People like Jurassic park is a fl- like, that's a flawless film. That's one of the greatest films ever. Yes. And so like, why would you watch the other two <laughs> unless you're watching all of them? But I right. would always think about, you know, bits from this third one. Cause they just like locked in when I was 11 or 12 years old. Sure. And so, I mean, and well, and then Jurassic World, I went to see that with with friends as an adult. I did not like Jurassic World and all my friends were like super into it. And so like we get to the credits and they're like, yes, that was great. And they like look over at me and I'm like, I'm like scowling. I was like, "Mm, I don't I don't know about that. (laughs) That was uh, that was me at the end of uh, seeing Iron Man 2 with a huge group of friends. And they were all like, hell, yeah, that movie was great. Right, Scott? And I was just like, Ugh. I just like yeah. wanted to like crawl, <laughs> crawl into a ball and die because I was like the only person who hated it. Never um, a fun person <laughs> in the party to be. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I was like, I don't like I'm not like broadcasting that I didn't like it. They just like look over at me. They're like, oh, Andrew didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The moment you realize that you're in the minority. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, oh, I kind of, oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jurassic Park three is a, is a, is an interesting, um, an in- interesting creature of a film. Uh, Nick, Nick, you said this is the one you have the most memory of like seeing for the first time, right? Yes. Yeah. This came out ju- July, the summer of 2001. Yep. And so pretty deep into the summer. 
Right. And I think it's fair to say that this and Atlantis, the Lost Empire, were the movies that I was the most hyped for. At this point, I was a, when my parents were paying for my Disney Adventures magazine subscription. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I knew both of these were coming out. I was immediately compelled and arrested by the Spinosaurus. Mm -hmm. Of course. Uh, he was he was on all the action figure boxes. He kind of became the de facto T Rex, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I was like really hyped for this movie. I definitely remember having like a Velociraptor action figure with like the feathers. I had a Jurassic Park three lunchbox. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the summer that I moved into a new house, and I remember getting into a, an argument with my mom because I wanted my room to be dinosaur themed <laughs> with like dinosaur wallpaper. And my mom was like, no, <laughs> because someday you're going to be like 15. Yeah. And, and you're going to thank me. <laughs> and, you know, that's why she's the mom. <laughs> yeah. But I, did, I did remember. Did you thank her? Did you? Did I, you want to thank her? I, 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 okay, I have thanked good. her many times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and so, but I definitely remember being uh, disappointed by this when I saw it in the theaters. It, even as a kid, but I think it has a big part to do with the hype. You know, I was like, Oh my God, another Jurassic park movie. This is going to be amazing. And it's, it's 88 minutes long. It opens with a computer generated slash to make a three. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's the same opening as uh, I think scream three. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I thought too. It's a very scream opening. Yeah. So weird. (laughs) So watching this on a Sunday morning, I think my expectations were much more in place with this movie's ambitions. Yeah. Hmm. And this really is just like a a fun, quick creature feature where we get to revisit some beloved characters. Yeah. Yeah. And concepts in places. Yeah. Um, So for me, it's funny that you talk about like the marketing machine of this movie because I have zero memory of any marketing for this movie at all. Yeah. My memory of this movie coming out is, you know, I'm in high school in 2001, and my memory is that this movie was like an afterthought, and it felt like, like almost like a, like a direct-to-video sequel, almost, but it was mm-hmm. being released in theaters. Um, is is what I remember so much so that I did not see this in theaters. I skipped it. Uh, and it was because like the reviews were really bad and, you know, I was 2001, I was like 16. This was the summer I turned 16. So I, it just, I just didn't have any interest in going to see this. Um, and so I skipped it and then I ended up watching it on video. I think my mom like rented it cause my, my parents would like rent everything from the library um and uh mm-hmm. tape it all if it was uh able to be taped um but yeah they rented this and that's how i watched it was like on my couch on vhs like you know six months later and i was like well that was bad um and and i think i was like barely i must have been like barely paying attention to it too because that was the one and only time that i think i've ever seen it um and I don't think I saw all of it. I must have been like walking in and out of the living room because there was a bunch of it that I did not remember um, watching. There's just it nothing, today. nothing in your head about it. No, not really, not really. Um, so uh, watching it today, um, I will say that I think it kind of slaps. Um, 
And I think it, it, it slaps because, you know, ambition, it's funny that you were like, you know, Nick, you were like, yeah, it's not trying to be anything like grand. It's just trying to be like this B movie thing. That is a side effect of the behind the scenes of this movie. Um, however, so it doesn't have any ambitions really because it doesn't know what it is. Um, they're lucky that the movie held together at all as like uh, any kind of uh, movie that you can follow. Um, but I, I, there's something about the sort of relentless nature of it that I like a lot. Um, I do think that it is, I mean, we'll see cause we'll, we'll watch, um, Jurassic World, but I don't I don't have as many issues with that movie as a lot of people do, um, but even visually. Uh, but I think this might be the ugliest Jurassic Park movie. Um, I think the cinematography is like bad. Um, he he was the cinematographer um, was so focused on making the jungle sets look like they had depth by like adding beams of light in the background and things to mm-hmm. like sort of like make it look like it's deeper than it actually was that he like forgot to light the actors, I guess, because there are so many moments where I'm like, can't see the actors. And I'm like, you couldn't have a beam of light hit them in the face so I can see what their <laughs> expressions are right now. It's just a very like gloomy, muddy movie, um, which is frustrating to look at most of the time, in my opinion. But that aside, I think that like, the action sequences are really good. I mean, Joe Johnson is is great. He's basically making, in a lot of ways, like a, a like a a spiritual sequel to like Honey I Shrunk the Kids because it's like the same concept <laughs> of like people being lost in the woods and trying to survive like giant monsters. <laughs> yeah, um, we're not equipped to handle this situation. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, the so adventure there- doubles as family therapy. Yeah, absolutely. It does. Absolutely. It does. And that's something else that I, I'm starting to realize is that outside of Colin Trevorrow, every other director on the Jurassic Park franchise has directed a children's film before directing a Jurassic Park film, which I find uh-huh. very interesting. I don't know what that connection is, but I do wonder if that has something to do with why he, Jurassic World is can be so mean spirited is because he's <laughs> never made a film for kids before. He mm-hmm. did make a kids film after Jurassic World, though. Is that so a kids interesting? Film? That's a film with kids <laughs> in it. <laughs> that sure does. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, w- w- when we see Dominion, if he's like, if it has that kind of like mean Joe Dante streak that Jurassic World did, yeah, or if it's gotten more sweet. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. But I do, I find that really interesting that like Spielberg, obviously, Joe Johnson, obviously, and then uh, the director of Fallen Kingdom had done uh, when a monster, what is it? When Monster Calls or what is that one called? Mm -hmm. When when a monster calls? When a monster calls? Is that what it was called? With Mm -hmm. with the Liam I know that's the name of a, uh, yeah, I think that's the movie. Yeah, the giant Liam Neeson. Yeah. Monster. Yeah. So that was like the film that he did that like got him the Jurassic the Jurassic world gig. Um, hmm. and, uh, 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 so yeah, they've all done like kids movies except for Colin Trevorrow. I'm very interested to see what that, what, if there's a connection that we can like put together with all of that. Um, mm-hmm. once we get to those movies, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Joe Johnson, he wanted to make the lost world. Um, and Spielberg ended up directing that one. Um, but then he gave him the keys to the third film. And so they had to like, sort of rethink how they wanted to do this. And I will say that watching this movie, 
this is the movie that should be called The Lost World. Mm -hmm. I think that, like, The Lost World movie should be called something like, I don't know, Jurassic Park Site B or, you know, Jurassic Park Sorna or, hell, you could even call it Jurassic Park 2 and then have them call, like, the plan that they have for the stadium. They could call Mm -hmm. that Jurassic Park 2. And then, like, yeah, and so, like, the name, the title is, like, a double meaning kind of thing. This, though, feels like what Steven Spielberg was trying to accomplish with The Lost World, but was getting sort of lost in the weeds of, like, plot and Mm -hmm. all of this, like, science technicality and the machinations of, like, the capitalism and all of this stuff. And then this movie is just like, yeah, they go to a dinosaur island and they there's dinosaurs fighting and they try to survive. Like, that feels like what a yeah. Lost World movie should be. Yeah, when you, when you say, like, you, when you started outlining, like, what's going on in The Lost World, I started thinking about it. I was like, oh, yeah, I cannot, I could not, like, tell you what is going on. There's, like, eight different factions that have different mm-hmm. agendas going on with that i was like lost like the lost world is so convoluted and then you get to this one he's like is this this is a straight plot line like there is deception and it's all cleared up in like the first half hour and and then we're like yeah like why are people here got it yeah why are they in trouble got it yeah absolutely so okay so this the whole the development process of Jurassic Park 3 begins with Steven Spielberg telling Universal, I don't care if you want to make Jurassic Park 3. I just don't want it to be my problem this time. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. And so um, he's like, I've got my my buddy, Joe Johnston. He wants to make it. Let him make it. And, you know, we'll get it done. So it gets greenlit um, and development begins. Uh, originally the plan was that Michael Crichton would write it um, and and create the storyline. But then later when development was due to start, Michael Crichton like did not, like he just declined any involvement. He was like, I it's <laughs> just pay me for the rights to the characters and like, leave me alone. I don't want to have anything to right. do with this. Um, Much like John Hammond at the end of the lost world. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and so Spielberg's idea which honestly, it sounds very silly, but I'm kind of into it. Is that it would be about uh uh, uh so 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 Grant Doctor Grant is missing. No one knows where he is, right? And um Sadler is like, we have to go find Doctor Grant. We have to like, I I I don't know where he is. I'm worried about him. You know, we got to figure out where he is. And they find out that he has been living on an Ingen Island. In a in a tree house that he built, like Robinson Crusoe, and because they wouldn't let him study the dinosaurs, and he was like, "There's no point in studying fossils anymore. The only way that I'm going to make it as like a paleontologist now is to like study living dinosaurs. It's the only way I'm going to make a mark. Um, and so I want to study living dinosaurs. And so he moves to an Ingen Island in secret, and like. Lives built, like built a Robinson, yeah. Built r- lives like Robinson Crusoe and studies dinosaurs. Um, and then they come to like save him, and he's like, "I didn't need saving, but now I have to like keep all of you, <laughs> you all you idiots alive." <laughs> um, and so like that was like the original um thought process. But Joe Johnson was like, "I don't believe that 
Dr. Grant, after the events of Jurassic Park, would want to have anything to do with one of those islands ever again. Um, and mm-hmm. so he was like, I just couldn't get on board with that, with it with Spielberg's idea. So they hire the first hire that they have is a screenwriter named Craig Ro- uh, Rosenberg, who had written some thrillers for DreamWorks um, and done some like script doctor work and things like that, uh, as there were in the 90s. His idea was basically that a a bunch of a bunch of rich families are going on vacation um, and they take two private jets. The teenagers are in one private jet and the adults are in the other private jet. The teenager private jet crash lands on Isla Sorna and they're marooned there. And then a rescue mission has to be taken to, like, go get them. Um, when the script came in, Joe Johnson rejected the script outright and said that it read like a bad episode of Friends. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. He was like, he was like, this is too funny. Like, it's trying to be funny and like clever in ways that like, you know, the Jurassic Park franchise is earnest. It's not like mm-hmm. self-aware. And it just he's like, it just didn't feel right. It felt like I was reading a sitcom, not a movie. That's fascinating. Yeah. It so, almost that kind of sounds like a scream movie. It does. Yeah. So they just threw that script out and started over again with a with another screenwriter named P- Peter Buckman who this is his first screenwriting credit on a produced thing is Jurassic Park 3. Um he would later go on to write things like uh Aragon, he would do that a- adaptation and then he wrote the two Soderbergh Che movies. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, Che Haven't Part 1 yet. and Che Part 2. Um mm-hmm. so he wrote those and and that's it. So I I assume that <laughs> m- the majority of his work is just get stuck in development. You know, y- y- if you're mm-hmm. if you've been working that long as a screenwriter but only have like four credits to your name, that's probably what's happening is he's getting a lot mm-hmm. paid a lot to like write a lot of movies that don't get made or he doesn't get credit on. Um so anyway, so he writes a a film that is a, a, a like two and a half hour movie that is basically exactly what we just watched, mm-hmm. along with a parallel story about the government having a hearing about what should we do about dinosaurs. They exist. Wait. Correct. <laughs> Correct. A second. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Let's put a pin in that for two movies from now. Um, <laughs> okay. So, we'll so, so anyway, so, so they write, it's this hearing and they're like, we have to, what are we going to do about these dinosaurs? We got to do something about them. Like, you know, what, what, and it's so this, it's this hearing where Alan Grant was going to come to the hearing, but then gets distracted by this rescue mission thing that, you know, he was brought in under false pretenses. Everything that happens in this movie happens. Right. But, um, oh, well, actually. I take that back. It was not a rescue mission. He legitimately was just taking a rich family and their son out to like see dinosaurs. Um, And they were (laughs) going to pay for his, his, uh, uh, okay. His thing. So there was no, there was no lie. There was no rescue mission. The rescue mission Mm. happens after their plane is gets crash lands because of the Spinosaurus. And then they're trapped on the Island. And they're like, Oh my God, how are we going to get out? We're going to be here forever. So, that's the idea. And then the end of this movie, when the whole military show up and everything, that was just going to be a coincidence because they were there to, like, <laughs> torch the island. 
because the government <laughs> in the hearings had like come just to the conclusion decide to no, just exterminate. Yeah, we need to exterminate the we need to exterminate both islands, all of the dinosaurs, get rid of them. And like Alan Grant is like, thank God you guys are here. <laughs> uh, so it's just a total coincidence that these two threads were that were going. But then the ending of it was that Alan Grant was going to be like, they were going to be like, oh, okay, so we'll save these people, I guess. And so they save these people, and Alan Grant is like, I'm not going to let you destroy these dinosaurs. And so he runs into the wood, into the jungle because he's like, if there's a human on this, on this island, they're not going to blow up the island, which I'm like, buddy, that's putting a lot of faith in the U.S. <laughs> government, but okay. But he goes in there. And is it becomes the Robinson Crusoe version of Alan Grant, where he's like, he's fallen in love, like the arc, the arc of this movie, where he like is like, no paleontology, you know, the fossils, mm-hmm. astrologer, you know that that you know the astronomer that whole yeah, thing, yeah. astronomer versus astronaut, and he like starts it as an astronomer, ends it as an astronaut, um, where you know, but the arc is like more clear because he's legitimately running back into the jungle to like <laughs> literally study them firsthand. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then the movie was going to be called Jurassic Park Extinction. Um, originally. So this draft happens and that's the draft that is like, they're going to make this movie. Like that's the movie that they're going to make. And then five weeks before shooting starts, Spielberg and Johnson are just like, do we actually like this script or are we just making it? And like, I think we're just making it. I just like the Island stuff. I don't want to shoot any of that hearing stuff. (laughs) If it was up to me, I would have second unit shoot all of that because I don't care about it. He's like, well, if you don't care about it, then why are we doing it? So they throw that script out and then they bring in Alexander Payne and Jim Taylor to come in and rewrite that draft. And they have them put in more character and story into the rescue mission section of the movie and jettison all of the hearing stuff. Um, And then they bring in Sattler again because she was not in that second draft of the script. Mm -hmm. They bring her back in and they have her like be the reason that the rescue happens and et cetera, et cetera. All of that stuff happens. They were brought in because Universal loved their rewrite of Meet the Parents which apparently they were the last screenwriters on Meet the Parents. They just weren't credited for it. Wow. Yeah. Alexander Payne has such an eclectic career. Yeah, it's interesting, but there's only two movies, right, that he is credited on that he didn't direct, I believe. Only two. I think it's just Jurassic Park 3 and... What was the other one? It was a weird one. Um, It's another weird one. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Yes. Yep. So those are the only two scripts that he's ever written that he didn't also direct. Yeah. Um, the movie won a Glad Award when it came out. So weird. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> they weren't actually gay. I So weird. So weird. <laughs> um, so, so anyway. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Also, uh, looking up his writing credits. Did you know? I'm going to like track this down and watch it immediately after I found out that it exists. There's a Japanese remake of Sideways. Whoa. We're in Japan or do they go to California? They come to California. Whoa, that's amazing. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. I gotta yeah. I gotta watch this movie. Um so anyway, uh so they do this draft um and they add um a lot of like character and story in it. They were hired because Universal loved the the Meet the Parents re- rewrite that they did that was like right before the movie went before cameras. Mm-hmm. Um 
they get the script back. Joe Johnson is like, again, this is too funny. This isn't, this isn't a comedy. Like, I don't want this to be a comedy. Like, yes, they put more character in it, but they also added like a hundred jokes in this thing. There's like a joke every page. That's not what this, these movies are supposed to feel like. So then they bring in on an uncredited rewrite of basically taking all the jokes out and making it more earnest. They bring in John August. So John August does the final draft of this script. However, there wasn't really a final draft. John, they basically went in front of cameras with the Alexander Payne draft, Alexander Payne and Jim Taylor draft, not to not credit Jim Taylor. Um, And uh, uh, John August was basically on set, rewriting every scene before they shot it. Um, taking out the jokes, making it more earnest, and just doing it on the fly. Um, he got paid a lot of money to do this. Um, that sounds, that sounds so tough. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he got paid a lot of money. He does this a lot too. Um, John August. This is like one of the things that he's known for in Hollywood is like doing uncredited last minute rewrites on movies. Um, to like fix tone issues and character issues and things like that. Um, so he did that. Uh, while they were filming, there was no final draft, which meant that on an on a day individ- on an individual day, there would be moments where an action scene wasn't thought of until the day of, and there would be a ton of like technical preparation that would go into it, and then they would end up only shooting like a quarter of a page or an eighth of a page because they spent all day doing prep. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, it drove the actors nuts, especially William H. Macy, who had to be convinced to be on the movie in general. Um, he was just like, this is not the kind of thing that I want to do. Like, this isn't the kind of movie that I'm like best suited for. Um, mm-hmm. and then everything that he was afraid the movie was going to be, it was all of those things and more. And so he just did not have a good time on this at all. Um, it's kind of ironic considering. Yeah. His characters. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, he, he talked about the film. He's like, it's, it's like being on a $100 million ship without a rudder. Um, yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. And he, and he was like, who's getting fired for this? Like, I, you know, he's like, I, <laughs> somebody's probably going to get fired for this because this is, this is crazy. Um, Johnston said that it was a living hell on a daily basis making this movie. Because it was just like every day was solving astronomical problems. Um, he was like, he, he, he like talked about it like, like it was like uh, being an astronaut on Apollo 13. Like where it was just like, <laughs> this is, I don't know how we're going to end this, this, this production with an actual movie. Um, he, he said he's never done anything like this. Um, they would often talk about the Spielberg chair because Spielberg was a producer on the film. He was uh, required to have a chair with his name on it on set every day. And every day it was empty. He was never on set. Not one time. Um, but it was that's always part there. of this. That's one of the stipulations of this movie even existing. Yes. Yeah. Is that Spielberg didn't have to be there. Right, oh, man. So there's this chair and William H. Macy is just like, every day I come in, I see this chair. I don't know if it's a promise that he's going to be here or a threat. <laughs> like, he's just like, I hate this. <laughs> uh, uh, Hearing all of this, it like, it almost makes me feel guilty for enjoying this movie as much as I do. Because like, yeah. 
I like this. I I enjoyed watching it. And when I got to the end of watching it, because I didn't I didn't do like a lot of research or, or preparation for it. I got to the end. I was like, I don't think this was Spielberg. It like it looks like someone's mimicking some Spielberg with like the way they zoom into faces on certain shots and stuff like that. Like they're doing Spielberg stuff. But I was like, I don't think this is Spielberg. Who directed this? And I get to the end. I'm like, oh, Joe Johnston. No wonder I like it so much. I love like basically everything I've ever seen that Joe Johnston worked on. You know, yeah. like I I I enjoy Joe Johnston's work a ton. And so yeah. I was like, well, no wonder I like it. Like he 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 like hits the right tone for me. I think I think the problem with with Joe Johnston after this, however, is that because he successfully made this movie, Hollywood put him into um, a box of like, oh, this guy fixes broken movies. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what he's good at. Like this movie was broken. Hence, hence Nutcracker he, and the Four Realms <laughs> and the Wolfman, um, and the Wolfman. Oh, and. Yeah. And to a lesser extent, Captain America, the first Avenger, which Mm -hmm. they were, that was the movie they were the most terrified of making because they were like, I don't think this is going to work. It's too earnest. People don't want this. Um, (laughs) There's there's uh, like four directors in all of Hollywood who can do earnest effectively. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, So, so yeah, he was that. And, 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 you know, then you get, you get issues like the Wolfman where he just does the best he can and. It's just not great. And then the same thing with with Nutcracker, which was a real tough watch, and I didn't make it all the way through it. Um, so I made it all the way through, and there's a lot that I do like about it, and there's a lot where I'm like, well, I'm not going to blame Joe. I'm not going to blame Joe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's not his fault. I know it's yeah. not his fault. Like, there's – and there's some things I'm like, that's pretty cool. That's probably his. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The longest cut of this movie. So they get, they finish and they're like, oh my God, we did it. We made the movie. Let's <laughs> cut this thing together. And they're like, okay. The editor is like, all right, Joe. Um, so I just cut everything together. Everything that you shot. Um, all of the takes that we, we chose, you know, for everything. And we cut it all together into the longest version of this movie possible. It is 96 minutes long. <laughs> Which like like some movies it's like four hours, like four and a half hours, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they made a ninety-six minute movie and then they edited it down to eighty-eight minutes, just to like they and that was just edit. He's Joe Joe Johnson says that like that was just editing it down into a movie that felt like a real movie because the ninety-six minute long mm-hmm. one didn't feel like a real movie because it was like basically unedited, you know? Um, <laughs> right, and, right, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And so just paring it down. <laughs> into a real movie only cut eight, it cut eight minutes out of it and he was like that was the minimum that we could cut out um and then the movie was 88 minutes long uh so the, he was like the credits so, roll sounds kind of like long on this one <laughs> yeah it was like it sounds like that's also like kind of the maximum that they can cut out because like you can't make a movie that's only 80 yeah. minutes right, right as right. the third jurassic park movie but he said it was like a fine line basically of like of like this is this is the most we can cut out without it feeling like not a real movie. And also if we leave any more in, it won't feel like a real movie because it will feel unedited. So it's just like <laughs> just a, a razor's edge. Um, and, uh, and yeah, the movie came out. Um, everyone, but, uh, but Roger Ebert basically hated it. Um, and Roger Ebert famously gave this movie three stars and he was like, it's a B movie, but it's a good B movie. Um, and, Mm -hmm. uh, and his partner at the time, Robert was like, yeah, but it's, 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 that's not what the other movies were. And now it is. And that means it's bad. Thumbs down. 
Um, and Ebert was like, eh, which I always appreciated about Ebert that he always like took a movie on its own merits where he's mm-hmm. like, this is right. what the movie's attempting to do. It's executing those things. I can't be mad at it for that, you know? Um, but yeah, there's but a I definitely of... go ahead. Yeah. No, no, please. I, or, or, I definitely remember the audiences feeling a lot like Roper did at the time, which is like Jurassic Park taught me how to dream. And this is just a movie. <laughs> so it is not only a bad movie, but an insult. Yeah. Yeah. And it was also like people felt shortchanged because they were paying, you know, a movie ticket for a movie and they got something that was barely feature length. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, that is like as short as like most of the Disney animated movies, you know, to yes. put it in like context that I'm familiar with is like, yeah, like 89 minutes is like 101 Dalmatians. Yeah. And it has shorter credits. So there's probably more movie in 101 Dalmatians than there yeah. is in, in Jurassic Park 3. Yeah. Weirdly you know, similar. Actually, a weirdly similar story now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, weird. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Scott, it's funny that you say straight to video because I kind of got that vibe too. And again, not in a not in a disparaging way. And then this, it hit me that this movie kind of feels like a proto streamer. Yeah, like something that if I yeah. were to see on Netflix, straight to Netflix or HBO Max, I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, this looks this looks like a movie, but not like, you know, Jurassic Park, you know? Right, right. And it's like, this is so unambitious, but like in a, in a really admirable way, it is just trying to like provide some chills and thrills and some stuff and the character moments. Yeah. And like, it doesn't have the scope of like this massive beloved summer blockbuster tentpole trilogy. Right. So you just recently on uh dueling genre tonight you talked about prey that like predator oh yeah sequel coming out and that's going straight to streaming right yeah it is so like yeah that's kind of like what you're describing it's like oh yeah like it's the next part in this big franchise and it's going straight to streaming so it's like a little a little lower stakes a little smaller but like people are really excited about it Mm -hmm. yeah i yeah i think and then you know it it's like because it's Seems like a smaller story, like a more focused story and not mm. like, you know, the last Predator movie, which is maybe trying to make it more of like a big tentpole thing, which it never really was. Right. Right. Um, I, you know, the other thing, too, like, it's funny that you say that because like Bethany pointed out while we were watching it that like it felt like an episode of a Jurassic Park TV series mm-hmm. um, where right. it's it doesn't it just doesn't have the. The the grandeur of what mm. you expect from a Jurassic Park movie, which the Lost World has in spades, has lots of grandeur, right? It's yep. just a mess, I think. Um, yeah. W- whereas this is very focused, but has none of that grandeur. But it is, I, and, and again, I think that this is something that I'm going to, I'm going to, some co- threads I'm going to connect with the Jurassic World franchise and my, my theory on what Dominion is going to be, which is that you have a one-to-one with all of the Jurassic Park movies into the Jurassic World movies, where you have Jurassic Park to Jurassic World, obviously. And then you have The Lost World, which is the first half of Fallen Kingdom. And then Jurassic Park 3 is the second half of Fallen Kingdom, when it's like a haunted house movie. Um, mm-hmm. And this is basically a haunted house movie. I mean, there's like a moment where like, you know, the, the Pteranodon like comes out of the shadows 
you know, and it's just like it's creepy. Um, and it's yeah. it's it's a scary, creepy creature feature. Um, and that's what the like back half of Fallen Kingdom is. Um, and so I think I think that's interesting that like there are those threads there, and it makes me think that you know, my theory of dominion and maybe that'll be proven wrong. You guys already know listening to this, uh, because it's out by now, but my theory is that having not seen it yet, the dominion is going to be the first, like, you know, quote unquote, new and fresh Jurassic world movie. That isn't just like a retread of something we've already seen before. Um, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, this movie is, I don't know. It's, um, it's interesting. <laughs> Before we get into the breakdown, just yeah. another thread, a commonality that I noticed between this and Lost World, which is so fascinating to me, mm-hmm. is, you know, they are both sequels to this beloved industry changing, pop culture changing film, singular mm-hmm. film. And for both of them, they were made kind of on a lark, mostly just to make more money or just for there to be another one. For the second one, the director would literally hop on a helicopter and fly away out of pure apathy. Mm-hmm. And the screenwriter, David Kopp, would have to like come and be the director. And now we have this movie, which is kind of facing like very different problems, where the director was like trying really, really hard to like just deliver a product that was like tactic by like <laughs> the basest measure a movie. Yes. <laughs> You know, like it is long. This is long enough to be a movie. Good job, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and as someone who's made movies and made stuff, I'm I'm saying that with admiration, you know, mm-hmm. that this mm-hmm. team like got it done. But also like that's a bummer that that's that's the that was the way that this movie was made. But it's cool. I also had a lot of fun watching it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a fun movie. I think it kind of slaps. Um, You know, I have like. A lot of nitpicks and I don't think. I think there's a lot of like character stuff that I don't love. Like I don't love how stupid everyone is in this movie, except for <laughs> Alan Grant. Um, like Alan Grant is the only person with any sort of intelligence. Um, the only thinking human. Yeah. Well, Alan Grant and the kid, I guess the kid is pretty smart too. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I, it, it bothers me when he's like, you know, stuff like him being like, all right, nobody move. And then everyone runs. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. It's like a funny joke, but it's also just like, maybe listen to the paleontologist, guys. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the guy <laughs> who's been on Dinosaur Island. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like nobody's listening to the expert that they brought with them to help them <laughs> do what they're trying to do. Right. Um, right. But before... Before like the big summary, I I just wanted to say I'm so glad that they cut out all of the the like hearings and stuff when you were talking about that section of the script. I was like, yeah, you absolutely got to get rid of that like that because when you described that, it it was like so much about the dinosaurs. And this is like I want to like establish this before we start talking the summary because I'm going to be bringing this up a ton. But like when I think about Jurassic Park and and Jurassic Park three, I'm like, oh yeah, the Jurassic Park movies. Like it's not about the dinosaurs. If you if you put too much that's like forward facing, like this is about dinosaurs, you're missing the point because it's all about like humans and relationships and protecting each other and family and and like yeah. when it's when when the dinosaurs are good, the dinosaurs are also about family and relationships and like no, we're trying to survive. We're trying to like take care of our stuff. Like everyone's just trying to everyone's just trying to survive. Like the people and the dinosaurs and everything. I was right. like. If it's about the government deciding whether or not dinosaurs have the right to live and 
like, well, are we going to study dinosaurs or are we going to destroy dinosaurs? Are they too dangerous? Right. I'm like, that's not the point. It's all about like, you know, like what's their nature and stuff. And so, so I'm glad all of that's gone because it makes that focus really tight in this film. Yeah, I do. I still think it could be more focused than it is in the final film. Um, because I do think that like removing that, I think takes away from Alan's arc, um, a little mm, bit. Cause I don't yeah. know. You talk about like Alan Grant at the beginning of this movie and the end of this movie. And I'm like, well, I don't know what actually changed about him. Like, I don't know what this experience did for him. It really just feels like the further adventures of Dr. Alan Grant, you know, it doesn't again. And that goes back to that TV, uh, analogy, um, that Bethany had where it just, he doesn't quite have a an arc the way that he does in the first Jurassic Park and having that hearing stuff and going from astronomer to astronaut that's a pretty fun pretty good solid arc um and and unfortunately that's not really present in the final movie as a result um but yeah I don't know we'll get into it though yeah I also thought of something for Alan that could have like made his story richer in this that, that we'll get to okay great uh, so, like I said, we open pretty crazily. Um, first up, we get the Amblin logo, which was which was fun. That was jarring, but fun. Yeah, I love seeing yeah. that logo. <laughs> and uh, and then we get yeah, like Jurassic Park title, just in your face out of nowhere, and then a big old CG three claw ripping through it. Yeah, um, audacious. <laughs> we uh, <laughs> we return to Ila Sorna. Uh, the setting of Jurassic Park, The Lost World, some rich people. Is this parasailing? Is this uh, what parasailing uh, is? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Right. No, no, no. Parasailing is like on the surfboard with the Where sail. You're... Oh. And you're like okay. balancing and holding on to it. This is something else. I'm, I can't remember okay. what this is called. So. Unless I'm confused, the, which could very well be the case. No, I think you're right. They're, they're doing the thing. So there's Eric and Ben mm -hmm. uh, just... Okay, they never say it out loud, but was Ben dating Taya Leone? Ben was his yeah. stepdad. Okay, stepdad. Yeah, I, okay, or, so they were, or, or they're, like, dating or engaged. I, I can't remember if they made it, like, all the way to stepdad. Okay. Because, okay. like, he, call, he calls her babe, like, on the tape that they find later. Yeah. Or yeah. something. But they were definitely, like, she and he were together. So, if not yes. actually his stepdad, this is, like, his father figure when he's with her. Yeah, comfortable enough to where Ben took Eric on a trip to Ila Sorna for them to like pair like glide up in the air on like a parachute thing while like uh two kind of local guys are on a boat and an then illegal the boat trip to an Ila illegal Sorna. trip yeah yes illegal because as we learned from the end of the lost world they have deemed the world's government at, uh, governments at large have deemed Ila Sorna like pretty much like a no fly no entry zone right and so the boat drives into some fog, and then something attacks them. I'm fascinated as to what kind of dinosaur, um, like was they were they the sharky kind of dinosaurs, the kind of dolphin shark combo dinosaurs? Don't know. We never find out because like they're gone because because they don't make any evidence of ocean based dinosaurs. No, and so it's like everything's land based or flying, but it's like contained to the island. And so if they had something in the ocean. That wouldn't be contained. 
Right. Yeah, I remember as a kid that like frustrated me, but also fascinated me because I was like, well, I know they're water dinosaurs, but they haven't been wine, wine, uh, water dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. Oh, my God. What do they what do those look like? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's not like a big honking chomp out of the boat. You know, no. it's not like a Leoplorodon. No, I there but is it's... this really fun moment where the kid who plays Eric, though, is like <laughs> it's there. there's like turbulence it's like shaking and it's like shaking the parachute around and he just starts saying make it stop make it stop and i'm like he has no control over what's going on kid like (laughs) no one's doing this to you on purpose (laughs) Uh, um i guess like maybe we assume that it's like like raptors hopped on and hopped off like that's oh, all I can whoa, all I can think of, but nuts. I don't think there's enough. Like I don't think they got that close to the shore. Does one have a little pirate bandana on his head? It's <laughs> <laughs> like velociraptor striped shirt. Pirates. Oh man! Can they swim? Do we know if they could swim or not? I don't know. Um, because they're super. I don't, yeah, I don't think, they think they address their arms it. are too little to do that. Yeah, but let me get a turkey. I mean, swim. not to not to bring up you know, watching things with my kids, but that's a big part in land before time is if they can get the T-Rex into the water, he can't swim because of his small arms. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's how the, it's yeah. how the children murder a giant adult dinosaur um, in that movie. Right. Petrie says, Petrie, think we know go back from this. <laughs> God. Yeah. I watched a lot of those. Uh, <laughs> So they crash. I think, you know, they keep their cool, all things considered, Ben and Eric. Uh, and they're able to crash down into the into like the trees of Ila Sorna. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we cut to Alan Grant in the backyard of Ellie Sadler's house, uh, just adorably correcting the 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 uh, Charlie yeah. the toddler. Because he's like making the herbivores fight, and Alan's like, "Oh no, Charlie, those are the herbivores and the carnivores." Uh, one thing Does I really he say give- well, actually, in that scene, I'm pretty sure he says. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, and one thing I don't think I gave this movie credit enough for in 2001 is I, I I do think they nailed Alan Grant in this movie. I think he does feel oh. like, you know. If anything, I kind of like a better sense of him, you know, kind of his dorky, mm-hmm. the duality of him being a dork and also like a little bit of a badass kind of shown through. Yeah. I mean, that was the only reason that he signed on for the movie. Sam Neill was like, he was like, I think I can do Alan Grant better. I think I can, I, I, I think I could do this character again and like nail it. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's the only reason he signed up, which is like. Feels crazy, I think, to us. But like at the same time, I think you're right. He's a little more concentrated mm-hmm. in this movie, um, in a way that makes him feel like Indiana Jones or something. He, yeah. he feels iconic. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, like he's he's a little stuffier, but in a way that kind of feels like yeah. I mean, he's a little older and kind of in the same way that Ian Malcolm post Jurassic Park is a bit more weathered and world weary. Uh, so so is Doctor Grant. Um, also, they do a great job of of making Doctor Grant just look awful in his in his sports coat. He just looks the worst when he's got <laughs> when he's got that jacket on, and then you get him back on the island. It's like, oh, great! You put him in his real clothes. There he is. <laughs> there he is. He he, he, he man. If, they, if there had been a part where he like, no, he's already wearing the hat. He's wearing the hat pre adventure mm-hmm. stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. He wears it. A, <laughs> There's like a, an Indiana scene. Jones moment where he puts the hat on. I'm back, baby. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I love the fake out for like half a second. You think that these are Dr. Grant and Dr. Sadler's kids. Mm -hmm. Um, At least I remember feeling that in 01. I'm like, what? No. Um, And this is kind of what I think they could have really made a finer point of is like, you know, they get dinner, they have dinner together. And like the husband seems nice. He excuses himself and lets, you know, Alan and Ellie have like a, a heart to heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh god I love that scene where uh, he like launches into like do you remember how they sounded Ellie and Ellie's like no I try to forget yeah, yeah. I do not think about this uh, it's a weird moment because like you know we see that he's trying to like I, I, I don't, I don't want to get too ahead of myself but um, I think they could have made a finer point of his regret mm-hmm. of how he feels that Ellie has made this life for herself and has a husband and a kid and Grant is, as he calls himself, you know, the last of his species. I, what I don't like about this development is that it feels like he's regressed from his arc from Jurassic Park, which was Mm -hmm. all about him being like, I hate kids. I don't want to be a family man. And then sort of falling in love with, with Tim and, um, What's the girl? Uh, Lex. 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 Yeah. Lexi. Um, Tim and Lexi. And then kind of like finding those fatherly, ten- like that natural fatherly sort of thing mm-hmm. that he's got. Um, that he he's, he's one of he my had. favorite. He's one of my favorite father figures in 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 cinema. Yeah. It's like when he's taking care of them after the T-Rex attack and he like gets yeah. them up in the tree and he's like, OK, you kids are going to have to sleep. And like and or um, the moment where he's like helping Lex calm down. Right. And he's like, I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna leave you. I'm gonna go help your brother and I'm gonna come back. It, right. You know, and yeah, and like yeah. those are some of the moments where you like that those are the moments where I think it's like, okay, this is not about dinosaurs. This is about like family. Like those kids' parents are getting a divorce and you know, they feel abandonment issues, they feel abandoned by the lawyer who ran out of their car and right, got eaten. Right. Um and she's like, They left, they left, he left. He's like, I'm I'm gonna come back. And I was like, Yeah, he like he cares, even though he doesn't want kids. Like he he's not He's not a dick. Right, right. So, like, you know, getting to the end of that movie and you feel like his arc was that he's like mm-hmm. now he could be ready to be a father, right? Presumably with, with Sadler. Um, to ha- come into this movie and be like, actually, no, I still don't want to be a dad. And it's actually broken us up. It's ended our relationship. Hmm. It just feels like a regression, especially when the arc of this movie ends up being like, him being a father figure to Billy, um, who we haven't mm-hmm. quite kind of met Eric, yet. and kind of Eric, like Eric in the same way because Eric is also a child of of divorce. He's a, a dinosaur nerd. Like it's kind of the same deal, and so it just feels like sort of repetitive in a way. Um, yeah, that reminds me of a really good movies with Mikey episode from not too long ago where he talks about Die Hard mm-hmm. and how. Taken as one film, Die Hard is like this, yeah, as violent and 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 you know, as violent and like profane as it can be. It's like this kind of it's a wonderful life, heartwarming story of John McClane willing himself into becoming a better man for his wife and his kids, mm-hmm. and he's gonna make it work, and he's gonna be a better person. And then the tragedy of they just keep making more movies because. Die Hard was popular and he just becomes a worse and worse person because if he becomes a better person, there wouldn't be any Die Hard movies. Right. Right. And it Um, feels similar. Yeah. 
It's it is very similar, and it's it's unfortunate, and it really just comes down to, and this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard, but it just comes down to Joe Johnston was like, I don't like them as a couple; they don't make any sense to me. I think a lot of storytellers are afraid of domesticity. Yeah, mm-hmm. no one ever wants to show like people getting together or settling down or having kids because. They just don't see anything exciting about that. Well, because the the crazy thing about it is just like if he was if those were his kids and they had settled Mm -hmm. down and they were married now, that's a reason that he doesn't want to go to that island of like Mm -hmm. like and it's in it's a perfect like continuation of his arc from the first movie of like, no, I don't want to go to that island. I'm a, I'm a father now. I have a ch- children at home mm-hmm. and a wife who counts on me to be alive and not eaten by dinosaurs. Like yeah. that. There, yeah. There and, a, yeah there, it's just, a, it's a perfect continuation of his arc. And then when he's tricked to be on the island, then you can have a, a, a separate, like, side story going on a parallel story of like ellie trying to find her husband and like rescue her Mm -hmm. husband and that could be Mm -hmm. interesting of like her trying to get people to believe her that he's on an island with a bunch of dinosaurs and we need to go and save him (laughs) and everyone's like no way he wouldn't go back to that island like why would he be back on that island well and then also it it would change something because this is the other thing that like feels like it kind of is out of character for him and it like kind of sucks about him in this movie, he's like, no, I don't care about finding your son. And like, if he's a dad, he's like, I get it. We're going to find your son. And then we're going to get off this island. But yeah. like when they they explain the truth of it and, and everything, he's like, no, your son's dead. There's no way. I'm not going to bother with that. We're just getting out of here. I'm like, yeah. you you know how people can survive. Like you out of anyone would be like the one person who could believe is like maybe a smart kid could could get by. Yeah, and, I mean it's and you would crazy. have a reason to like it's, it's eight give hope. weeks. That's insane. Yeah, eight That's weeks an is too long. Insane amount of time. Um, and it's like you know, Tid, Lexi, and Tim had Alan there, right? I guess mm-hmm. from his perspective. But yeah, and even he kind of concedes. Or, He's like, look, I I fully expected you to be a a, a skull on a twi- on a branch. Imagine imagine a side story where where Ellie is like trying to get the government to help. No one will help, and then she has to go to Ian Malcolm. And Ian Malcolm's like, you are kidding me. You're going to make me go back for a third time? Like, that would be (laughs) such a fun scene, but he can't say no. He just can't say no to her. It's the home. He can't say no to her, you know? Um, and, and so he's like, all right, let's, I know how to get there. And I, and I know my way around that island because I was there before. Yeah, Yeah. Like, I know, I know that island. Oh my god, that's such a better movie. Anyway, <laughs> let's let's continue with the movie oh, yeah. we got. <laughs> they like steal a barge or something. Yeah, yeah, that'd been great. Yeah. So I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, uh, there's characters still alive from the second movie. He like goes and tracks down, um, uh, Vince Vaughn. He's yeah, like, sure. I need you to get. I need you to get me back on the island. Yeah, right. It's true. But uh, instead of a family man, Alan Grant is still fighting the fight as a paleontologist, and he's giving a a lecture at a university, and he has an almost 180 worldview from the Alan Grant in the script that Steven Spielberg was developing. Yes. Uh, There's a fascinating moment at the end of this lecture where Grant uh, insists that the real paleontologic, paleontological work is to be done in the ground 
on fossils with dinosaurs that actually existed. And he refers to the dinosaurs created by John Hammond as like genetically altered monsters. Theme park monsters. (laughs) Theme park monsters. And we've made a point this whole series of, of making note of how they, the series has treated these dinosaurs as animals. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, the, the protagonists of lost world were inspired by like this, you know, humanitarian, environmentalist need of like oh no these are animals that need our help mm-hmm. and here we have dr grant a big hero of the franchise that says no those things are monsters those are not dinosaurs yeah and that's a thing that like you would understand ian malcolm feeling right mm-hmm. because he's not a paleontologist he's a chaos mathematician wizard <laughs> wizard yeah um but like alan grant you know, it, it it would be one thing if Alan Grant was like, no, like technically they're not dinosaurs because, yeah. you know, you know, they're like half frog or whatever, you know, like, yeah, yeah. There it's would like, be a way for can't, him to we be can't like, learn. Yeah, we can't learn about di- the dinosaurs that existed millions of years ago because that's not from what the, these things are from these modified things. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. You, there is an argument to made to be made that like he's technically right, but the way that he words it is like very like. <laughs> No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure that the Alan Grant that, like, felt the Triceratops's, like, diaphragm move. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, but then that was before the murders and the killing. Like, maybe that, it it checked out while I was watching the movie that he would have that worldview. But it's also what the movie is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be, his Mm -hmm. arc is supposed to be falling in love with dinosaurs again, because as the kid says, when he runs into him, he's like, I liked your first book better. It was when you still love dinosaurs. And he's like, that was Mm -hmm. before I met them. And then at the end of the movie, you see him like being like, wow, look at those herbivores. They really are beautiful. That's really cool. Maybe you were Mm -hmm. right. Maybe Billy was right. But like, he doesn't do anything about that at the end because he doesn't run back into the jungle to become Robinson Crusoe. He leaves, he bails with everybody else. And so it's just like, I, you got to give me a denouement then to like, tell me that like, Oh, he loves dinosaurs again or something, you know, but that's not here. So his arc isn't super clear. And like in the, in the first one, like he's like crying as he sees them moving in herds. He's like, I get it. Like they're social creatures. Like I had theories and I can prove whether or not my theories are correct. Right. And, and now he's like, no, these are not dinosaurs. These are monsters. Like, yeah, it's a little too harsh. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it comes, it comes off weird. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It is cool though, that we see that the series has made a point throughout its, you know, runtime or legacy of pointing out that these are genetically modified dinosaurs mm-hmm. and these are not, you know, strictly speaking, the way dinosaurs would have existed 65 million years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we meet Billy, Dr. Grant's assistant, mentor, or mentee, Ward. A.K.A. Figure. Nicholas Cage's brother in Face Off. Oh! <laughs> That's who that was. Yep. <laughs> and he's made a, a thrilling discovery he using digital technology and like scanning and 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 stuff he's been able to reproduce like a raptor a velociraptor's vocal cord mm-hmm. um because like dr grant has a theory that they were hyper vocal that was the key to their pack maneuvering mm-hmm. they were mm-hmm. so smart they could like like beat a dolphin at chess they were they could take <laughs> over the whole planet <laughs> this they is should be but, this yeah, scene, but they were like vocally communicating and coordinating efforts. This, this mm-hmm. scene blew my mind because this was, as as far as I know, 
this was not technology that existed at the time at all. Mm. It was like science fiction. But now it's a 3D printer. Like we have this. Yeah, it's like this the, is... the first 3D printer. That is yeah. that's so cool. Like I just think that that's so cool <laughs> that Joe Johnson or like whoever wrote that into the script, whichever writer wrote mm-hmm. that into the script was like, "Oh yeah, it's like this thing that you put it in, you design it in a computer and then it like makes it in three dimensions and it's all one color, it's made out of plastic or whatever." And it's like, "Yeah." That's it's literally a 3D, a 3D printer. printer. Like, literally it's absolutely invented a 3D printer. It exists now. That is so crazy. That's funny because my one of my notes for this was I don't think there is enough sci-fi in this. Yeah, for <laughs> for my Jurassic tastes. Sure, but here there's literal science fiction of like something that became yeah in 2000. Well, like, it just doesn't like... read that way because it's like yeah, that's a 3D printer. I know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's got like all the like the the scrap plastic that like floated around, and it's like mm-hmm. yeah, you actually get that with a 3D printer. Like you you thought of it right. <laughs> Like, I, did somebody who worked on this, like, go invent the 3D printer? I don't know. Like, that's a good idea. We're going to pretend that's real, and then I'm going to go make that real. Yeah. Did, like, when Spielberg was meeting with his futurists for Minority Report, did one of them was like, <laughs> oh, by the way, 3D printer. <laughs> I don't know. So crazy. Oh, man. And uh, they are met by Paul Kirby and Amanda. I don't know if Amanda still has Kirby as the last name, but oh, uh, right. they're played by... <laughs> William H. Macy and Taya Leone. I had to will myself to remember like what their names were in the movie. <laughs> Taya Leone is interesting because she was a huge actress in the 90s, early 2000s, and then just sort of fell off the face of the planet. Um, I remember she was like the star of a sitcom in the 90s. She was like dating or married to David Duchovny for a long time. Um, and, Mr. And, Revolution. Yeah. And then just like disappeared. Um, yeah. At least I, growing as up, far as I know, I mostly know her from Spanglish, and oh, that's yeah, like sure. famously a bomb. Yeah. I think that was one of her like last like normal movies because she's in um, she's in Deep Impact. She's in um, uh, what was that movie? Yeah, The Naked Truth was the name of her sitcom. Um, but yeah, Never she was in. You said Spanglish. Oh, Fun with Dick and Jane is another one that I remember her from. Um, and then she was in this show, I guess, Madam Secretary, which is like one of those shows that exists and it was on the air for like six years. But I don't know anyone who's ever watched it. And <laughs> I don't, you know, I've never seen mm-hmm. it. Um, but she was in that uh, for a really long time. So. Like, you know, she stopped being in stuff around, I guess she was in Tower Heist in 2011, and then got Madam Secretary, was in that for six years. And I guess that's what I mean by she fell off the face of the planet is because she ended up on a CBS CBS show that I know I've never seen. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Um, She she worked steadily for years. Yeah. Nobody knows. (laughs) She fell off the face of the planet. William H. Macy went to go do Shameless. Taylor Leone made Madam Secretary. Yep. And uh, they tell Alan and Billy that they run Kirby Industries and they can fund their their dig for the next 50 years or whatever. Like we it's our wedding anniversary and we want you to do a fly around of Ila Sorna and tempted by by money like many in the Jurassic franchise before him. Alan goes for it. Yeah. The thing that's interesting about this, and I'm bringing it up now in case I forget when it happens later, is 
later in the movie when Billy steals the eggs and he finds out about <laughs> the eggs and he's like, I swear to you, I had the best of intentions. And he gives him he gives him crap about it. And I'm like, buddy, you did the same thing. You did the same. You <laughs> took the money with the best of intentions and like to it led to dig. all of this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just really funny. Um, I'm like, man, <laughs> pot kettle black. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I, I think this is a, a great moment to to say, like, hey, thanks, thank goodness for the internet. No one would ever have to fall for this again. <laughs> you just look oh, up Kirby right. Industries. It's like, no way. This ain't this is not real. You could not concoct enough of a of a ruse on this. Yeah. In the modern yeah. day. It is I, I find that you know, for a movie, and this is this is a side this is like a problem with a lot of movies that are like this length, this like sort of like barely feature length thing. <laughs> Is there's a bunch of scenes in these movies that you're like, this should be a lot shorter or like, like cut to the chase a lot faster, but you can't because if you cut any more out of this movie, it's just going to be even shorter. (laughs) And so the scene between Billy and Grant and the Kirby's is so at the, at the restaurant is so Mm. long. And I'm like, all of this is a lie. And we're in this scene of them just lying through their teeth for five minutes yeah. when they could just get to the point and like write the check. And this could be a, a, a you know, a, a minute and a half scene. But instead, it's like a five minute scene of them just lying through all these details. I had forgotten mm-hmm. that the whole thing was a lie. Yeah. And and so when Kirby Industries was a lie, I was mad with Alan. Yeah. <laughs> because I was like, you're telling me all that. I had to watch that. You're not even rich, <laughs> but I do. I, but I love that the mercenary is just like, yeah, I'm on his side. Like I'm not even getting paid. Like this is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> That's another, like there's a half theme in this where everyone lies. Everyone is, has a moment of deception. Mm-hmm. Like people aren't being who they say they are or are being duplicitous. It's a weird, like reoccurring thing that keeps happening in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, only weird because it doesn't really come of anything. I mean, I guess, you know, Billy learns to, no, I don't know. No, no, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, no, it it really doesn't go anywhere. I really think it's just a side effect of this, you know, despite it being a, a, a dinosaur thriller, it's Mm. a character drama kind of first and foremost, because that's where any of your drama that you're getting is going to come from like the characters interacting and that Mm -hmm. kind of character drama, the easiest way to do it is just to have people lie to each other. And so that's true (laughs) and and hide stuff, you know? And so it just, that's all there is because there's nothing else to do here because there's no plot to this movie. Um, Yeah. Uh, Back on the helicopter or plane, we get another weird reoccurring motif of the Jurassic franchise, Uh, two lucky bags in a row. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that is weird. You got, you got Sarah Harding's lucky pack, and in this one, you got Billy's lucky strap. Um, man, Alan's like, there's a line in the when he's on the plane. He goes, "Reverse Darwinism, idiot, most idiotic survival of the most idiotic." And I was like, "Man, that's like a first doctor line." <laughs> <laughs> oh, just man. real snooty. And then uh, the reason snooty. you're all listening to this, the reason you you all came here today, uh, doctor. <laughs> Dr. Grant slips into a, a deep sleep. <laughs> uh, he has a dream that the whole plane is gone and it's like her- er, em- empty and it's hurtling towards the ocean. He looks and in the first 
scene featuring a dinosaur in the entire movie. Uh, we get a velociraptor, specifically the kind of velociraptor that Dr. Grant hasn't seen before because they didn't make another model. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so it's also the first time you see that version of a raptor. Yeah. Uh, and it, he's, and he says, Alan, and in, in Billy's voice, and the puppeteer makes the raptor's mouth move. Alan. <laughs> Alan. Um, I, I will say, I think that these raptors in Jurassic Park 3 are the best the raptors have ever looked. Like, the practical yeah. raptors in this movie are, like, mm-hmm. stunning to look They're at. They're gorgeous. Absolutely stunning. They look and great. They, they all look different, right? It's not mm-hmm. just, like... It's not just like the Mario Brothers thing that the Raptors in the Jurassic World have, which is just like they all have different colored stripes. This yeah. these are all yeah. like <laughs> these are all like very different. Um, yeah. yeah, so you can you can tell who the matriarch is. You can tell. Yeah, like you can just see it's like oh yeah, like there's a group and and like I can identify them. And so I can, it was like oh well that one's not the boss, so yeah. it's gonna get called off. Yeah, and it's just yeah, the, the, it's the it's the side effect of having someone like Stan Winston grow with the franchise and unfortunately we lose him before jurassic world so whoever was designing the dinosaurs on jurassic world decided to use the same philosophy as when two people choose the same character in super smash brothers but mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> or the daleks for a time <laughs> oh yeah that's true the daleks as well yeah i uh, admit they plan on mentioning doctor who twice in this but you know, uh there you go uh, yeah they get they get Eat, when they get close-ups of the Raptor pack, you can mm. really appreciate the texture and the mm. line and the design. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's great work. Not crazy about the CG Raptors when we get those, but the practical effect Raptors are like, yeah, some of the best work of the franchise so far. Yeah. Uh, they, they're about to, oh, they're about to, uh, they're circling. They get to Elisorna and, uh, we get dino we get like dinosaurs and Dr. Grant's like, Wow, I forgot how to dream until this very moment. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like Jeez. trying to be do what he was hired for. And they keep talking. Yeah, he starts lecturing. And he's, like, and he's like, I thought this is what I was here for. What are you guys interrupting yeah. me for? They cut the lie immediately. <laughs> I, I just love they're like, Do you see anything? And I was like, you mean your child on a on on an entire island? Do you see oh. your child? <laughs> Maybe they were hoping yeah. for you know like smoke or like he spelled out help on the beach or something. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! <laughs> he's, he's like, like set up rocks. It just kills yeah. me that there's yeah. absolutely like zero strategy to their to their rescue mission mm-hmm. here. Yeah, they're just gonna circle the island like it's a mall. Yeah. Also, they're circling like in a. Like like a private jet, and so even mm-hmm. if they see him, they have to go land on a landing strip, and then like try to coordinate <laughs> picking him up and get to the plane again. Yeah, like what if they saw like him a helicopter at, like, the could just of- drop down? Yeah, they brought yeah. A, a jet. Did we mention the scene where these mercenaries were like they like painted a plane to look like a dinosaur and then blow it up? <laughs> no, but that yeah that happened. <laughs> it does happen. <laughs> You know, you brought up Aliens last week, Scott, yeah. with Lost World, and this also felt like an Alien sequel, mm-hmm. where it felt kind of like low rent, and these are the mercs who don't take it seriously. They never get to use that gun that they shoot. No. No, they don't. They 
that was another example of we know this scene should be cut, but if we cut the scene, we don't have a movie. Right. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. This movie, you're right. This movie feels like Alien Resurrection. I don't think these movies ever get weird enough to get into Alien 3 territory, but this one feels like Alien Resurrection, I think. Like very low rent in that the way that that movie does. Mm -hmm. But there's like some cool stuff happening. Right, right. So uh, the dude in the back, Cooper, who has that, who has like some, some, some lines, some jokes about how he's like, oh, he knows them from church. Right. Um, he he knocks Doctor Grant out. And by the time they wake up, uh, they've landed. And what if, I, what that, if they that did joke... a second? What if they did Alan again? <laughs> that joke about Cooper being like, "Oh, I know them from church." It doesn't. The joke doesn't work. That guy has to be built like a like a brick truck in order for that joke yeah. to work. Like he's got to be like you know like um uh, uh Michael Clark like Duncan. Jack Reed. Or, yeah, or yeah, or like, like, mm-hmm. like if Michael Turk Duncan is back there and he's got like a face tattoo and they're like, oh, how do you know that? He's like church. That's funny. But like, but this visual, guy, this guy just like, has a goatee. Yeah, like, people, people with like, goatees might go to church. Yeah. He's like, he's like Patrick Warburton and with like sunglasses. It's on. three. Yeah. Scream three. <laughs> totally. Yeah. He's like Patrick Warburton with sunglasses on. He's like, oh yeah, I know him from church. And I'm like, I mean, I guess that could be true. I don't know. <laughs> It's like he uh, seems a little disagreeable, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a normal guy. Yeah, he, he has he to does be more obviously a, a merc, I think, in order right. for it to work. The joke, the joke or, to work, or like, or like that tall guy that used to be in in, in, in movies a lot. The really big tall guy with a ponytail. Yeah, um, yeah, something like that would work too. Yeah, Dolph. He does Lundgren. get a good line. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren would have been amazing and crazy. <laughs> Uh, he does get one good line in where they're circling and like, do you see anything? Or like Ben or like uh, uh, Cooper, let us know if you see anything. And he's like, no, I was going to keep it to myself. <laughs> um, uh. But in any in any event, they land and they just like Scott said, no plan. They just run out into the woods, <laughs> Scream. mm-hmm. screaming out Ben and Eric Taylor. has a loudspeaker. Yeah. <laughs> and Alan's like, hey. Don't do that. And she's like, what? Like <laughs> idiots. Yep. hundred percent gets everyone killed. Uh-huh. Um, they hear the, the, okay. They hear the, 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 the dinosaur roar. And Billy's like, you think it's a T-Rex and like zoom in on Dr. Grant. And he's like, no, I think it's something bigger. Yeah. And I'm like, movie, come on. Like, I get it. <laughs> I we get gotta, it. Gotta, we gotta try and make something bigger than the T-Rex. Oh man. I felt hook, line and sinker. For the Spino. Love yeah. a good Spino. I, if I'm he, not mistaken... Please. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. If I, I'm not mistaken, I think this might be like a really inaccurate, scientifically inaccurate portrayal of a Spinosaurus. Mm. I think like, I think so. Based on my children's books. Yes. It, it doesn't we, look quite right. <laughs> I think we've since learned that they were kind of like swamp dinos. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. They were kind of swimmers, and they would go underwater, and their spine helped them swim. But yeah, like like Andrew said, this the one in JP three is just a roided out T Rex. The guy that designed this thing was like he literally talks about it in the behind the scenes doc where he's like he's like yeah you know like the Spinosaurus they have like a like a like a sort of a crocodile head um, and and you know the spine and whatever it just it doesn't it looks 
it doesn't look very cinematic, so we like made some change, some cosmetic changes, and I think it turned out pretty good. Um, so yeah, they were just like throwing science and biology out the window with this one. Um, it's a frog I, DNA. I don't like the Spinosaurus, and and here's, here's something very controversial. I am going to say that I prefer the Indominus Rex, and the reason that I prefer wow. the Indominus Rex. Yep. <laughs> The reason that I prefer the Indominus Rex is because I think it's stupid that they're like, <laughs> like bringing out the Spinosaurus is like, like the equivalent of like somebody being like, oh yeah, you like Green Day? Cool, cool. Well, my favorite band is this band you've probably never heard of. <laughs> and it's just like. <laughs> oh, you like the just... T-Rex? I like this bigger, badder one that you don't actually know. Yeah, that you've never heard of. Um, I, I, I like the stiff little fingers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like oh, I bet you never heard of Spinosaurus. Um, <laughs> I so I just I I hate the vibe. I hate it. I just it makes me feel gross. And I'm like, if I want to feel gross, then I want that to be the purpose of it, which mm. is the Indominus Rex, which is like it's mean. literally genetically designed to be scarier than the T Rex, and it's it's unnatural. Stupid. It's stupid and unnatural, and it shouldn't be alive. And I think mm-hmm. I prefer that for, like, if they're <laughs> going to try to do that, just do it, like, for real, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, there is something co- very quintessentially early 2000s about the Spinosaurus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it, you expect, like, Bodies by Drowning Pool to start playing. <laughs> yes. like It's just, like, I think just philosophically, I think I just prefer the Indominus Rex as, like, what they're trying what they're trying to do with it is the same with as what they're trying to do with the spinosaurus and i just think i prefer philosophically i think i prefer what they're doing you with know the what? indominus rex between the two the in- it's the indominus rex is what they're doing with the spinosaurus but without like the kind of self commentary of it yes mm-hmm. yeah where um, they're like cause- constantly being like Pretty cool, right? Like, look at this. <laughs> this, this like, because because they like they very quickly have it fight a T Rex and uh-huh. mm-hmm. and kill it, and it's like, see, it's it's worse than and these other two I movies am, where the big bad was the T Rex. And I am so concerned because as far as long as far as I know, there are only three T Rexes on that island. <laughs> there is yeah. the two parents and the baby, and so that's either the baby that we spent the whole last movie trying to protect, or it's one of its parents, and that. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. like that. It hurts my feelings. Well, hold on. I don't like you think, it. <laughs> that was in 97. You think in 01 there haven't been any T-Rex births? I Well, we I don't, don't have know. any evidence. Yeah, we don't have any evidence of one. I guess there oh, yeah. could be, but like it feels It's the only me... T-Rex we see in this movie. Y- yeah. That's I true. I don't know. I just don't know. Oh, oh, okay. Not to skip ahead because we learn that in a kind of a, a kind of throwaway scene that Spinosaurus wasn't on the list of dinosaurs created mm-hmm. by Engine and John Hammond. Mm-hmm. So Billy's like, well, how did they get born? And Jet's like, that's, that was Jet's first album. That's what my brain did. <laughs> <laughs> and Dr. Grant's like, I don't know. Isn't that crazy? And I'm like, oh, I wish they would have delved deeper in that because I yeah. think the Spinosaurus is just the result of chaos theory. Right, right. The T-Rex is, in that fight, is literally the T-Rex, one of the T-Rexes from the Lost World. Like, it's, literally that animatronic that they just like yeah. saved and brought over um so what really happens what the real clincher in the fight that happens is the spinosaurus because it has normal non-bullshit arms is <laughs> it 
it snaps it, it, the T-Rex. Yeah, it snaps it. Yeah, it grabs him. Yeah. Yeah. Because once it's in a chokehold, it can't do anything about it. Because there's like, the only thing it has is its jaws, the T-Rex. Mm-hmm. So I remember that was a really controversial moment of like, uh-huh. yeah, like, oh, the new try-hard dinosaur kills the beloved OG T-Rex to show you like, this isn't your mama's, you know, but... I was, I was, I was elated. It was like a reverse Django Fett for me. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in any event, they have, they evade the Spinosaurus. Um, wait, has, has Cooper already? Yeah. Cooper had already it, been like, eaten. Yeah. Right. Cause they, cause, they, cause they, crashed, they, they the crashed the plane. Trying to get yes. away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the first two deaths of this movie, I remember as a kid really upset me. Because it's Cooper and then Nash, the pilot, right. and like yeah. they are like pleading for help, right. and you know, just it's hopeless. They like no one is coming for them, and like the first two kills of this movie, I remember being pretty like bloody and exciting and horrifying as a kid, and sad. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. sad because they haven't like they haven't really done anything that bad. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, they yeah, like, they're, 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 they're not really guilty. <laughs> Yeah, they broke the law, but that's about that's it. There's that one moment where they, when they're flying into Isla Sorna, and the 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 person comes over the radio and is like, "You gotta turn around. You're in restricted airspace." And they just turn to each other and shake their head, and then just turn the radio off. <laughs> We're the bad guys. <laughs> um. Oh, but they also established the uh, the the satellite phone. Right. Yes. I made a note. Thank you, Andrew. I don't think we've dealt with a franchise yet on the show with this much satellite phone usage. Yeah. <laughs> no. Sat- oh, I, I yeah, I really that, that's actually one of my favorite running like motifs of the movie is like tracking the ringtone and like mm-hmm. it's it's set up perfectly. You remember it. And then, yeah, it's great. Yeah. What am I thinking of? There's like a movie like that is like like they're on an island and there's like a satellite phone that they're trying to get to like get a signal and they're like climbing oh up boy. to the top of the island. Is it Lost? Because Lost. Oh yeah, has am some I just thinking of Lost? And this is where they like start hearing the numbers for the first time. Yeah, yeah, I might just be thinking about Lost. You're right. Yeah, that's like the main thing in the pilot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, very okay. cinematic. Yeah. It is. We, it's a very it's a very like late nineties, early two thousands things to have to worry yes. about the satellite phone. <laughs> yeah. We uh and then we, we learn about the extent of the lie. We get a kind of a fun I couldn't quite like call it anything, but I guess going back to how little the Kirby's planned for this, uh William H. Macy just assumed that Dr. Grant had been to Ila Sorna. He didn't even right. know there were two islands. Right. Yeah. And I thought it was ironic that, you know, last week you mentioned that Alan maybe should have been in Lost World instead of Ian Malcolm. And in this movie, they should have called Dr. Malcolm, but instead they called Alan. Uh, well, and but what would be really funny is if you switch these roles and like you have Alan Grant in the Lost World where he fits better. And then you have like they they bring in Ian, Ian Malcolm and Ian Malcolm's like, I don't I'm not a paleontologist. Like, I don't know. Like, if he was never in the Lost World, just in Jurassic <laughs> Park, they just like mm-hmm. bring in the wrong guy for this. I think that would be really funny, too. Yeah. Because Ian Malcolm be like, why did you? I'm a mathematician. Why did you bring me here? <laughs> this is near the right island. Uh, that would be amazing. Anyway, I. <laughs> uh, 
we get our first scene of a very unfortunate subplot where uh, Taya Leone's Amanda and William H. Macy's uh, Paul are like, hey, you know, you're okay. And I was like, no, like, <laughs> I don't. Bring them I back together. It. Come on. <laughs> That's why we're here. And, and you know, I, I kind of got warmed up to it as the movie went on. But I was. Yeah. The, I, was like, the I, problem- I forgot. Yeah, the problem is just that they start this movie as such unlikable characters that you're like, this is the last <laughs> thing I care about, is them right. falling is the, back in them. love with each other. <laughs> Two men are dead. Yeah. But um, they, they give us, um, you know, Chekhov's swimming. That's true. Um, where he says oh, he, he lost right. weight by going swimming. It's going to yeah, come back true. later, guys. Yeah. That that was his, uh, that's his, like, Lexi being a hacker. Oh. Or um, in Lost World, it's like, you got cut from the gymnastics team? Yeah, that's gonna come up later. <laughs> I love, I love that it's been Lexi, uh, Kelly, and now William H Macy. Yes, <laughs> the natural progression. Um, yeah, we'll have to see who has a special talent in Jurassic World. Yeah. Uh, so then we, uh, oh, we find the camera that uh, that mm-hmm. uh, Eric was recording with. We find the parachute, and we get that kind of gross moment where the ravaged eaten devoured skeleton of Tay leone's lover like crashes into her this moment like, sucks a, like a minute right yeah, yeah. it's a long time because she gets trapped in like the cables and like can't get away and it's just freaking out um and then just like and somehow the backpack the and the screen. parachute are super intact but all the flesh has been stripped from the body <laughs> yeah and like the straps for the backpack are all good and so they're like billy think well, you can fly it yeah no problem well, he di- Well, he died, and then he's been left to the elements for eight weeks. So I assume. Fl- okay. Well, I assume there's an implication just... that he's been like consumed a little bit. No, I think I okay. think he just got. Oh, he it's just, just he just died. Just... Yeah. So and just then... elemental eight weeks down to skeleton of decomp- No, no dinosaurs. No dinosaurs picking at the at the skin. I don't think so. Because I assumed trees. it would be dinosaurs. They have the, they, I guess you're right. They have yeah, the high the hide or whatever. Like that's yeah. If you're in the yeah. trees, there's dinosaurs can't getting trees they don't have claws like, to climb like maybe some carnos like maybe a couple carnies were able to climb up there yeah but like the little yeah I know the, just... the copies the copies yeah the copies i think he just i think he's just rottish yeah. um yeah. and that's Eric why maybe ate him a little that, bit that's why the clothes and the parachute are all fine because they're synthetics um that's true so I, uh, so, real quick please. i don't want i don't want nick's comment to go unnoticed that maybe uh, Eric uh, ate him a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just trying to be like, no, I can't. I can't. I should, it's uh, bad. Um, and then, but yeah, well, Billy's like, yeah, I can, I can repack this. This will be fine. It's yeah. not complicated to use a worn out parachute. Oh, man. Just give me a minute. Tay Leone runs into the cave and William H. Macy runs after him. And there's this really heartbreaking moment where he's like, hey, I'm, I'm sorry about Ben. And Tay Leone's like, oh, it's not Ben. I'm worried about Eric. I'm like, oh yeah, God forbid you're like a little worried about that skeleton of your your fiance or boyfriend or whatever that you just ran into. Yeah. Um, but you know, she's a mom. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess that's true, but it, it it doesn't it doesn't do much for getting me to like her, <laughs> to be on yeah. his side. Mm-hmm. This guy took your son on an illegal dinosaur vacation. <laughs> To make him feel better about your divorce. <laughs> uh, that bet seemed like a good dude. 
Uh, oh, man. We find the raptor nest, or, you know, they stumble upon a raptor nest, and Grant's like, oh, my God, it's a raptor nest. Um, they, uh, this is where we learn later that Billy, Billy took the swipe a couple eggs. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and then one of my favorite sets of the movie, uh, they, they stumble upon what, so in, in Lost World, John Hammond refers to Ila Sorna as the factory floor mm-hmm. of the whole operation. And we kind of find the heart of that, mm-hmm. um, a like large scale, almost factory sized genetic lab that's been overrun, like kind of Bioshock style. And it was really cool. It was really cool seeing like the overrun, like cars and like the empty, like incubation tanks and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really cool. I, I think, I think the Raptor head in the tank, that's my favorite gag in the movie. I think it's, it, yeah. it's really good. <laughs> And it's so scary because it, it plays back to like these things are really smart. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just love, like, at first, you know, you're watching this movie and it already has monster movie vibes. And she sees like a floating raptor head in a tank, right? And then its eye moves and you're like, what? And then it moves from behind the tank and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's just <laughs> a real movie, raptor back there. Like for a second, you think that this movie is even dumber than you could even possibly imagine. And then you're like, oh, no. Is this another mind. dream sequence? Yeah. <laughs> is this going to speak with Eric's voice and be like, mom? Amanda. <laughs> Mommy. Mommy. Everyone gets a raptor. <laughs> uh, man, I love the calling all raptors moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or it's like a cawing, and the other raptors are like, "Huh?" It's like news team assemble. Yeah, it is and, like uh, news team assemble. <laughs> yeah, it, and they converge upon the factory, and we get like a good old fashioned uh, chase. Mm-hmm. I liked Alan observing, like mm-hmm. the raptors, and um, and hearing and the gets... noises they're making. Yeah, because he hears a couple a couple of different noises. He's like, mm-hmm. "Okay, like come come help." Versus like, like distressed help versus like less distressed help. Oh. I don't know what to call it, but it, like it's like, yeah. hey, everyone, get over orders. here. Versus like, yeah. but then like it gets trapped and it's like it makes a different like, noise. Yeah, it's like pinned against the door, and Alan's like, whoa, mm-hmm. it's calling for help. Yeah. Um, and then just as Alan is surrounded by raptors, a couple of smoke grenades land, and he is saved by Eric. Yes, in a in a gas. Yeah. Mask. So everyone it- gets like, yeah, everyone gets split up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Alan gets picked up by Eric. Yeah. I, uh, I really, it, it was kind of very Robin Williams in Jumanji. Mm. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Very much. So. I liked his, like his cape, his like cover camouflage cape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, as Andrew said, the group has been separated. Billy is with William H. Macy and, uh, Tay Leone. We see an ankylosaur for like a second, mm-hmm. like a herd. That's of my favorite dinosaur. So, oh, nice. That's a question. Got my fave in here. Yeah, I'm sure that doesn't hurt. Um, oh, and they've got their um, the one mercenary with them, right? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, gosh, yeah, the guy with the mustache. He had like a kind of a he had a U name like Uvetsky. Like Eugene Uvetsky, the the, the mouse guy from Green Mile. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Has he been killed by the Raptors at that point? Uh, I think this is when that starts to happen. Yeah. Okay. When they but then, the but first, <laughs> yeah. But first, we get that heart to heart with Eric and Doctor Grant, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was bothering me how much Doctor Grant was coughing during this. 
Yeah. <laughs> he coughed a lot. Yeah. He coughed after the time lapse. Yeah. I I like I get it. Realistically, he would be coughing a lot, like being around a, like four smoke bombs. But mm-hmm. it's like it, it's a movie, guys. We'll forgive you. Just cough a couple of times and get over it. Like it's annoying. Some water. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't remember if it's the same if it's the same scene or if it's a, another scene. But he also like he scrapes the heck out of that can of beans. Yeah, it's a big old <laughs> like, can of beans too. And yeah. he is still scraping for for like two whole minutes. Like I I think he got the last of it right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that wasn't even like the first time he's eaten because there's a little moment in the factory where we get <laughs> a joke where they find vending machines and William mm-hmm. H Macy is like, "Oh, I I got a buck ten and Billy just like kicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a a weird thing with that scene when like my memory of that scene, which I don't know why this is like a core memory that keeps coming back to me, <laughs> but I I have thought about that scene a lot since I was you know twelve years old and saw the movie. In my right. memory, it was it was this the like the shot was reversed. Like it's like I saw it in a mirror. And so like uh, he was like stepping across the screen in the opposite direction and like the the framing was in the opposite way. I was like, why is my why did my memory flip that that scene? So interesting. And then think yeah. about it so much. Oh, because you were thinking about stealing vending machine stuff? How cool. I guess that? every time I saw a vending machine, it's just like, <laughs> hey, remember this? You could just kick a hole through that. <laughs> That's funny. God. You got to be a real slave to the machine to be <laughs> in, for... I mean, he's just a buffoon, you know? He's a buffoon. Well, then he tries to kick it and he can't do it. He hurts his knee. Well, okay, oh, so man. He, he's a buffoon for two reasons. One, that he thinks that anyone is collecting the money for this vending machine. That <laughs> he needs to put money in it. Number mm-hmm. number two, that it's plugged in and has any power to take his money. I know, like did he look? Did it have like the accepting change lights on? I know. There's no way. There's no power. And then the other thing is like when he kicks it and can't make it through and hurts his knee. I'm like, the hell was all that swimming about then? Like if you can't, even, like, <laughs> you can't even kick through a vending kick machine. Something like swimming, like is half kicking. Like that's the whole point of swimming. Yeah, right. It's like, <laughs> and then and later he's able to kind of like outswim a spino. Yeah. So I don't know. Weird moment. It's a weird uh, moment, yeah. Scott referred to this earlier with uh with the uh you know the heart to heart that Eric and Alan have where he's like, Yeah, I liked your first book better before you you know, back when you loved dinosaurs, he's like, Oh, he didn't try and fucking kill me back then, so maybe Yeah. Come <laughs> uh Oh, and the little the moment where he kind of takes a dig at Ian Malcolm, where he's like, "I don't know, it's like chaos." This, I like, get over yourself. And I was like, "Oh, I'm like, I'm like this kid boy. <laughs> this is my kind of kid." Okay, I'll I'll save this kid now. Yeah, uh, now if he had now said, he's like, imagine. actually, I do. I I wish I wish Ian Malcolm was here, and he would have been like, "You can stay in this truck." <laughs> now imagine that that scene happens, but there's the side story with Ellie trying to rescue Alan. And he gets, no, gets yeah. Ian Malcolm. Ian Malcolm comes, and the kid is like, I read your book. I didn't like it. <laughs> and Ian Malcolm's like, cool, great. Get in the like, truck. Let's I, get out of I, here. I, I didn't ask. Like, I didn't <laughs> ask at all. It's like, well, he asked. <laughs> That's awesome. And he, he uh, uh, Alan really launches into dad mode at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, again, without even trying, just something really natural in him activates, and he's able to, like, kind of you know, be who this kid needs him to be. And yeah, it, it's, un- I mean, yeah, it would have been cool to see the movie kind of dig deeper into like where this is coming from or what he wants to do with it, you know? Yeah. 
um back well, and like and it's such a like it's a really good dad mode like mm-hmm. i don't know if you guys watch survivor but sometimes there's like a dad figure in survivor and they come in they're like all right this is how we're going to do the camping and we're going to get the shelter up let's build a fire and it's like it's like the worst kind of dad and they're like taking control <laughs> of everything and they're treating everyone else like kids and somehow like when when alan grant comes in he's in dad mode he's like i'm on your level let's like let's talk like like people you know, I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, treat with you with some degree of respect and everything. He's not like, well, we better get you back to your family. What kind of what kind of crap did you store in here anyway? You dumb kid. Like, he doesn't have any of that. He's like, well, you survived. Like, you know what's going on. Tell me about what kind of stuff you have. And he's like interested and he's actually like learning from yeah. the kid. Yeah. So it's like yeah. it's like the best best dad mode. Yeah. No, for sure. And it's a lot like how he how he handled Lex and Tim, where he kind of saw them. It was his job to protect them, but it was also like, hey, we're in this together. We're a team like mm-hmm. you are. You are just as capable as doing of doing the things that I'm doing. Yeah. He treats um, kids like anybody, like anybody else. And the problem yeah. is that's why he had such trouble with Charlie is because he's trying to talk to him like anybody else. But yeah. he's like three. So like it's it's, you know, <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't well, he, work he calls... for that kid. So there's like this awkwardness there. But but like going back to like the first kid we saw him interact with, that kid was a little dick and disrespectful. And he was like, I'm going to tear you all down right. in front of all of these people. Yeah, <laughs> because that's what I was like, do Alan, with an adult kid. who tried to pull that shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. and we, we missed the detail that Charlie refers to Alan as the dinosaur man. Yes. The dinosaur man, um, which I was waiting when, when he eventually calls Charlie and says, like, it's the dinosaur man. I, and then he gets distracted by the Barney video. I thought for sure yeah. he was going to be like, oh, the dinosaur man's on the far on the phone. And Ellie was going to be like, Barney's on the phone. OK. And then just like put the phone away, you know, like I thought something like that was going to happen. But it yeah. didn't. Uh, I, th- I thought that Barney moment was really fun. It is. It is. It's very true to the kid loves dinosaurs. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, meanwhile, Billy and the Kirby's are on the lookout for Dr. Grant. Uh, Billy and Eric are Martin. Alan and Eric are marching through the woods. Uh, Billy. Jeez Louise. Eric hears. (laughs) Super generic names. Eric hears (laughs) the sat phone going off and he's like, oh, it's my dad's stupid piece of shit textiles paint store ringtone or whatever and like they find each other they're on opposite ends of like a metallic gate and then uh, i mean like something i really i vividly remember about this movie is like the reveal of it's the ringtone and it's the cell phone inside of the spinosaurus's stomach and yeah. like mm-hmm. the reveal shot where you can hear the the, the cell phone inside of his stomach is, <laughs> is really fun the the coincidence of them finding each other because he's chasing down the satellite phone sound, but the mm. satellite phone being an other third thing. Not that has nothing to do with the parents, actually. Mm. The, right. The they just all happen to be in distance. Yeah, that's a little I I don't know. Sure. I, I was like, I was like, uh, this is this is causing me to have like a leap and a jump in logic here that I'm not <laughs> super comfortable with but okay mm-hmm. fine i'll roll with it it's 88 minutes long yeah oh yeah right snap we also missed the, the t-rex p reference um yeah yeah, yeah like yeah. like eric has collected materials like t-rex p and it doesn't come back later 
to to nope. be used to like sure discourage other dinosaurs. Just like, well, there's T Rexes on the island. Sure doesn't. That's what happens when you're writing the movie as you go. Is like some things get lost in yeah. the shuffle. I guess big guns that you don't get to use. T Rex pee that you don't get to use. Yeah, there's Can a lot of shotguns if... left over that mantle. If Eric mm-hmm. had just like launched the the, the T Rex pee and it just shatters in a raptor's face, like. What would have happened? Would T Rex have like gone for it, or were they? Yeah, like, ran he said away? the big the big T Rex comes. It, um, yeah, yeah, it attracts one of the comes. one of the big T Rexes. Yeah, what about sex with that raptor? So you could have thrown, you could have thrown, <laughs> made an Indominus Rex. Uh, you could have thrown. <laughs> <laughs> How did you make this thing, Claire? Well, we, <laughs> we found this bottle with... a bottle of T Rex pee. <laughs> that's our that's our starting point. <laughs> But yeah, like it. they could have thrown the T Rex pee at the at the um, Spinosaurus, Spinosaurus at some point, mm-hmm. and then like two T Rexes, like the two parents are like, "You killed our baby!" and like just like <laughs> Revenge, take it out. Yeah. That would have been cool. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they're able to escape the Spino. They make it to like an outpost, some kind of uh, like office observatory like of thing. Observatory. We kind of learn later what it is. Um, or what it's like connected to. Um, and that is where we learned that Billy stole the raptor eggs and Dr. Grant chastises him, says you're no better than the people that built this place. Uh, as we pointed out earlier, it's kind of uh, pot calling the kettle black. Mm-hmm. Um, and Billy really takes those words to heart. And uh, as they're exploring the outpost, they find they start like crossing a bridge and there's all these like metallic structures. And Dr. Grant summarizes that this is a giant bird cage. And uh, they're attacked by uh, pet Patronodons, Pteranodons, Pteranodons, silent P. Um, it mm-hmm. is it is this sequence and the the river sequence that follows are the two best sequences in the movie for my money. Um, I just love both of these sequences so much. Uh, I think mm-hmm. they look so cool. They're so creepy. They're shot in the dark, but like with like purpose behind the darkness, I guess, and shadow. It's just really, really cool and looks unlike anything else in the other two Jurassic Park movies. And I'm really into it. Yeah. Having the, having like the mist and the, you know, the flying dinosaurs, cause we haven't really dealt with flying dinosaurs. Um, like, like a cameo at these... the end of lost world. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, like this sequence, like these are the scariest dinosaurs in this movie. Yeah, because they're like flying in from the mist. They're flying like silently. You can't hear them, and then they're huge. Like, mm-hmm. but but big, like small enough that they can start to like climb around in the same spaces that you are. Like, you can't get safe, right, from them in this space. And you're right. Like, like this is the scariest sequence. Is you know just dealing with the flying and the jumping and like the broken walkways and everything. And you can't see anything because of the mist. You've got like ten feet of of vision. And the scariest thing uh, about pteranodons, which we don't find out about in this movie, they hate babysitters. Is it ter- pterodons? Pterodons. No, no, pteranodons. Is it pteranodons? There's an, yeah, there's an N. I never, ter- I never yeah, remember. Yeah, it's pteranodons. Um, the, the guy, l- listen, I just watched the documentary thing and they kept saying <laughs> All right, pteranodons. You, you got it. I'm going to say pteranodons. That's what Joe Johnson says. Good enough for him. Good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, uh, you walked over my joke, but so now it's not funny. But sorry, <laughs> I just said 
I just said they also hate babysitters. Um, anyway, uh, we wouldn't find that out until the next movie. Um, right. Yeah. They hate the scar- women who are about to get married. <laughs> yeah. The scariest thing about them is that they hate babysitters. Oh, well, um, a bridezilla, eh? <laughs> I'll show you. I'll put you well, in your place. <laughs> We'll fix her, but good. Uh, this, this sequence has big Jumanji energy. Yes. It's 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 scary in the same way that I remember like the spider sequence in Jumanji being scary. Um when when it picks up Eric when the when the picks up Eric and drops it into the babies and the babies are like pecking at him and sniping mm-hmm. at him. Oh like it was so like frenetic and scary. <laughs> My favorite part about that too also reminds me of Jumanji is when uh Billy so he uses the parachute, right? And he mm-hmm. par- he like he like glides past him and he's like he like yells at him like hold tight hold I'm, i'll come back around and he's like yeah. just getting pecked like getting like attacked <laughs> yeah. and he's just like i'll be right back and it just like reminds <laughs> me of all the times like robin williams would do something like that in jumanji stay there yeah, yeah. stay right there and it's like oh, 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 oh god yeah. <laughs> as like kirsten dunce is like dying of like a poisonous plant bite yeah yeah absolutely. so uh Billy sacrifices himself. Uh, his seeming seeming death scene when he's just pecked to death by three of them that are just have ganged up like, on in him. the like, water. Yeah, in the water, it's you can imagine how this would be like the scariest like <clears throat> thing to happen to you in real life because like yeah they're just they're just unrelenting. Yeah, yeah, kind of like the compies in uh, yeah in Lost mm-hmm. World. What was the, with the random compy scene where they're like, "Up, oh, I see." He calls him comp, and then like, I I literally think it's a cameo, and that's it. Like, it's literally like, "Hey, yeah. remember these guys from the last movie?" Anyway, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, are like a bunch of them gonna try and get in?" You know? No. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. We just get nothing. It's just remember these guys. Um. Anyway. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, I re- I the jun- the Jungle Cruise moment is really fun. Yes, I'm surprised that's not a real ride. I was thinking that too, but I was also thinking, well, the only way that it would be like really cool is if it was also raining like it is in this and you would just get right. absolutely drenched on a ride that's mm-hmm. like raining the whole time. So <laughs> that you would come out in the middle of the summer soaking wet. Yeah, that would just be nuts. Um yeah. but I do I love the vibes of this. I love the satellite phone like mm-hmm. so like sliding oh, yeah, back that and was forth cool. on the boat. Um yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. While uh, while it's ringing, that's really fun. It's good. Mm-hmm. They gotta like I swim love out the, from under the cage. I it it feels very Spielbergian, actually. The um cross editing between them being like, "Oh God, we're drowning," and then you just cut to the little boy being like, "Yay, Barney!" And it's like, "Don't <laughs> so get just your mom, up and down. kid. They're gonna die." <laughs> he waits for Barney to be over, and then he's like, "Oh, that's right," and he runs out. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Um. And this, and this is when, this is that's, and then after this, we get the astronomer, astronaut, monologue, right? Right, right. Now that he thinks um, Billy's dead, it was interesting. It, it, it was, it was a poignant monologue, and yeah, like it be, you know, I guess there could have been more to be done with it in terms of like how he ends, because like, yeah, he 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 like doesn't he doesn't want to go to the island. He is more comfortable looking at these creatures as fossils. Yeah. Then like interacting with them one to one because like that can be very dangerous. Right. But then he mm-hmm. sees all the herbivores and he's like, maybe Billy was right. Or no, no. Mm-hmm. He the kid says that. Maybe Billy was right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. Um, um, I wrote in my notes, weird ass transition. And <laughs> it, it took me a second to remember, but it's when like the close up of the brontosaurus, like leaning. Yeah. Like, it looks lean. bad too. It's bad. Yeah. It's rough CGI. Um, it's and like, then we yeah. dissolve. Yeah. Yeah. That was weird. It's, it's really rough because they're like, they, they added too many details, but then they didn't like fully render it it feels like so it feels a little spy kidsy um mm-hmm. and and it's just i don't know it was very strange but with spy kids like robert rodriguez knew better than to like add too many details to the stuff that he was right. barely mm-hmm. rendering <laughs> they <laughs> need know? to look like my my children's toys come to life right right and then this they like didn't barely render it but then loaded up with extra details that i'm like mm. i yeah i preferred when they just look like cows with long necks i don't know <laughs> um oh and then at the end of the jungle cruise we hear the sat phone ringtone and then we see like several enormous piles of spinosaurus crap um they dig through it i like how the movie didn't go like you know they didn't oversell like oh this is so gross i don't want to do it. they're just like okay where's the phone we need the phone um survival mode yeah yes yeah uh and an unexpected crossover with disney's dinosaur we get uh, a Carnotaurus. Right. Mm-hmm. I really like that moment where, like, it sees them. It's like, these things aren't a threat, and it just walks away. Oh, I thought, oh, is that what it was? Okay. I thought but it I was think it's like, also like, this is, I'm, I'm outside my territory. Yeah, I thought the, the, oh, okay. the, the Spinosaurus's shit was, like, a territorial thing. That's mm-hmm. a good point. Yeah, it you you belong to the Spinosaurus now, bros. I'm out of here. Yeah. I wasn't even here. I'm from Disney's dinosaur. <laughs> I'm not messing with that guy. Goes away. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, the Barney thing happens. Uh, we get Paul's, like, redemption where he, like, I don't know, man. I Draws kind of the pars- attention a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're over here. And that that saves the family. Mm-hmm. They all hug. And then, like, uh, we get like that 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 last raptor face off, right? Yeah, like it's a quick uh, transition into like, okay, uh, act three, I guess, is two scenes. Yeah, the the raptor thing. How does the raptor thing resolve? So oh, he, he he pulls out the thing, right? Or he he pulls out the so, vocal cord, right? Well, so so they like decided they were going to keep the eggs because if they just get rid of the eggs, the raptors won't know. That they got rid of them. Like, the raptors know that they have the eggs. Right. And so, Grant says, like, oh, we've got to, like, return. We've got to try and return it. Because, basically, like, the raptors arc at this point is the same as the Kirby's arc. It's like, hey, our kid's missing. We're going to go find Mm -hmm. them. And so, you got, like, that parallel going on. And then, the raptors surround them. Grant says, hand Amanda the eggs. Because the raptors are matriarchal. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the mom connects with the mom. She hands over the eggs, and then Grant, like, shouts at the raptors twice with the with the thing. Right, 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 right. And and that's, like, enough to be like, see, like, we're connecting with you. We're communicating with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're returning the eggs. So they, like, take the eggs back, and then there's helicopter noises. It's, yes. So it's, like, and- it's a tense scene, but it's it, it's, like, not tense in the way that any of the other scenes are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then a comical amount of armed forces <laughs> arrive on the beach. It's like the end of Shaun of the Dead. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's it's insane. It's an insane it's like, amount. It's like naked gun level, like you have to expect like Leslie Nielsen in a suit to be like, oh, that's all, you know, nothing to see here. Like it just it doesn't make any sense. Like, why would this many people care? Well, I think the joke well, oh, please. Well, I was gonna say they toss in a line that Ellie's husband works for the State Department. Mm. Uh, and so when she knows he's in trouble she gets her husband to like pull every string i see and they don't say like what he does it's like but but like when he like walks away it's like he seems nice what does he do oh he works for the state department or homeland security or something like that so he's got like government connection okay man you really gotta pay attention to these jurassic movies (laughs) yeah you know you never know which of those shotguns is going to come into play because they drop that one (laughs) early on and it actually matters and then you get at least two others that don't but the T-Rex P, you know what I mean? Like that doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. And also we never um, see Ellie again. Like she's Yeah. She like she's walks not like away. Here. She hangs up the phone and walks away and then we never see her again. Yeah. I think the cuz then we cut back to uh, Eric and he's like, "Whoa, now you really got to thank Dr. Sadler." And and Alan's like, "I sure do, kid." I'm like, "It would have been cooler if she was like physically there." Yeah. Like mm-hmm. commanding everyone, sending them like shoot that T Rex in the. It's face. we've just got like some guy in a suit with a with a bullhorn. Oh man! Oh Scott! Uh, yeah, there's a dude on a bullhorn that he's like, "Talk to Grant," and I was I just wanted to be like, "Is your name Alan Grant?" I have a letter for you from. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I've been holding it for fifty five years. <laughs> Told me to come to this island at this exact time. <laughs> I didn't think anyone was going to show. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, um, um, and, and so the movie ends. On the, do you want to have anything before we get to the, the final helicopter scene? I was just going to say, imagine if, uh, imagine if you go the whole movie and you're like, man, nobody shot off that gun. And then finally, like the gun like like shoots the spinosaurus in the face and then you like whip whip camera over and like the gun lowers and it's ellie and she's like i'm here to rescue you (laughs) run run that would have been great uh um yeah i will say so like so so what what is the shot what does this end on i guess what are the so we we see some pteranodons Flying and in, flying into the sky. Yeah, Ben and son of a bitch. Eric's like, where do you think they're going? And Doctor Grant's like, who knows? Probably to get a build a nest. There's a whole new world out there. But because we know going into Jurassic World that dinosaurs still have not yet reached the mainland, because that's what the whole point of Dominion is. Because right. for the first time, dinosaurs you know touch down into the mainland. I can only assume that the Costa Rican government or air force shot down those pteranodons shortly after the movie ended yeah they've got a they've got like a a fence a geo fence where it's like if they cross this line we're just gonna blow them out of the sky i think that there's i i don't know if it's uh i don't know like what the details of this movie would be but i would be really interested in seeing the exposition expedition that goes out and clears isla nublar and recaptures the dinosaurs and builds Jurassic World. Like, oh yeah, what what is that process? What was that process like? How many people died? Like, oh man, yeah, wrangling them. Yeah, right. That like, I someone had something that we don't think yeah. about, and I would be so fascinated to know what that story was. Yeah, how did they capture the big ocean one? I don't know. I, I well, I assume they didn't capture that one. I assume they like made that one. 
right? Yeah. So they oh, had, they okay. started like making some of them. So the, yeah, that one's got. Oh be... well, maybe maybe they just killed all of them and started over. Wow. Yeah. Well, Don't they except... say that the T Rex. Oh, the T Rex is in, the one from in, the first in Jurassic one. World is supposed to be. Yeah, supposed to be. She's an old lady mm-hmm. now, but she's the yeah, she's. She's the T Rex from the first. Draft. She's like she's like Vi, and then one episode of Arcane. <laughs> yeah. She's just like, what do you want? <laughs> um. So I I think a funny thing about about the uh, the behind the scenes documentary on this one is that mm-hmm. I start I press play on it and and it opens with them all the cold open of it before you get the title card. They're all talking about Jurassic Park, the ride. And they're like, yeah, you know, we built the ride. People really want to ride this ride, you know, and I, you know, it was we wanted to be this experience, this thrilling experience. And like Steven Spielberg talks about how like he doesn't like thrills. And so he gets off the ride at the top of the drop. And so (laughs) so like he never he's never gone down the drop on the Jurassic Park ride because it freaks him out. And he's like, so, yeah, I, I got off the ride. And like, I just didn't want to go on the ride, but it's really cool that people, other people like the ride. And then it just goes <laughs> Jurassic Park three. And I'm like, holy shit. That like, what a metaphor for this movie. Like, <laughs> I just want to get off. It just opens with Steven Spielberg. I wanted to get off the ride, but it's, other, it's cool that other people want to go on the ride. And I'm like, that's exactly what this movie is. It's just a ride that Steven Spielberg got off of. No. I, the moment it became uncomfortable for me the concept i got off yeah <laughs> everything was just chill looking at the dinosaurs oh no 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 i'm not doing the drop yeah i'm not yeah exactly yeah sub oh, sub in joe johnston yeah he's like i'll do the drop i'll do the drop all day <laughs> <laughs> my regret so it, it later was... but <laughs> yes yeah yeah and so it was jurassic park three uh fun watch i think it reminds me a lot scott of when we Got to Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Yeah. Where I, th- I remember at the time, because it was like, finally a new Pirates movie after all these years, and like was disappointed because yeah. it didn't fit my expectations. But just watching these so close together, I think I can kind of, I, I appreciate how low stakes both of these sequels are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I still don't love Lost World. I like, mm-hmm. I prefer this one, I think as Mm. as a sequel and i don't think you know it has a lot of the same uh conceptual problems that i have with it where it's just like you're telling me that we made three jurassic park movies and only one of them takes place in jurassic park um that really (laughs) bums me out i don't like that uh but i think you know as a as an entertaining watch that isn't like overly convoluted, I think Jurassic Park three is just such, it just goes down easy. You know, it's short. It's, you know, the, 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 it has like cool sequences in it and then it's done. And it's like the lost world has cool sequences in it as well, but those are spaced out between like 40 minutes of exposition in each of those, you know, instances. Mm. Um, the lost world is just, not for me and it's it's interesting like our guest last week phil was like talking about how like yeah when i was a kid i liked the lost world more because it felt like a grown-up movie because it was so complicated um and i was like yeah i remember being a kid and like feeling that way about other movies but for whatever reason for me you know just missing that theme park element i was like i'm not here for the dinosaurs i'm here for the theme park stuff so like (laughs) 
<laughs> Give me the theme park <laughs> stuff, which is why, you know, I obviously I like Jurassic World as much as I do, which we'll talk about next week. But for sure. Anyway. Jurassic Park 3. Uh, JP3, baby. Andrew, any closing thoughts on JP3 and the Jurassic franchise at large? Uh, I If I was going to rank them, it'd, it'd be Jurassic Park, then this one. And then Lost World would be would be in my third place. I didn't yeah. I didn't like it at nearly as much as as the other two. So um, this sits really well with me. I think it really builds well on on themes that I think are strong in, in all three of them. You know, like the family dynamic, like there's a lot of like parent child stuff that's going on in here. And a lot of like one of the things that people feel conflicted with with the dinosaurs is like when they're being parents. It's like, oh, but they're just parenting. They're just, you know, family community relationships you know and those kinds of things like that's where people are like oh these dinosaurs have value because they're like and that's kind of a problematic thing <laughs> to to say it's like they have value because they're having family and and relationships and stuff mm-hmm. um but it's it's it, it feels to me like that's what the earnest core of this trilogy is is about like taking care of each other and mm-hmm. being positive like the people who die are the people that go off on their own you know if that's you true if you don't stay connected to other people, then you don't make it. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, so I think this builds really strongly when you say like, there's, you know, a tighter, a tighter focus, but maybe not as effective. I, I think it's most effective in Jurassic park, but I think this builds on that pretty well um, to, to tell the story like with human parents and then also have the Raptor parents like, Oh, they're doing the same thing. Like our child's missing. The eggs are missing. We're going to go track those down. Um, that's true. I, I like how that parallel goes on in this movie in particular, where it's like, yeah, we're like one of the ways to prove what we're trying to say is to tell it in two different ways on two different sides of, of the conflict. Yeah. And also I found it very interesting that the Raptors recognized that Tia Leone was like the mom and must have stolen the eggs. <laughs> and so <laughs> he's like, Oh, he, th- they, they, she thinks that you stole the eggs. It's like I, it was just very interesting, like this weird yeah. like showdown between the the head raptor, the head mama raptor, and and Taya Leone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they like established as as um, matriarchal right. to some degree, right? Um, which is interesting because you would think, I don't know. Again, I, I guess just to like make that stronger, you would think that you would see her become more of like a leader type, like like a matriarch. Oh, in the movie, mm-hmm. in the movie, and yeah, that never yeah. really happens. But um, I don't know. Anyway, well, no, Paul. Paul took swimming lessons, so he's got to prove that he that he's yeah. that he's a man. <laughs> yeah, right. I kind of wish. Um, I do definitely wish that this film, like more of the posse, was women. Like mm-hmm. it'd be cool if one of the mercenaries was a woman. It'd be cool if it was a daughter instead of a son that they were looking yeah. for, but, but sure. I guess they had already done some of that with Jurassic world. And so they didn't want to be like, Oh, well the young kid's going to be a girl again. And so yeah. maybe that was some of the decision-making, but I think in, they could balance it out a little bit in lost world. You mean? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, anyway, solid movie. I think, I think it kind of slaps. Yeah. If, if you've got 90 minutes to kill, you yeah. can do worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm being very literal when I say it could not be shorter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I mean it could be. There's some scenes that we're like we they should have cut those. <laughs> but I mean like legally, legally could it have been shorter. Legally. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it could have been released in theaters if it had been under 85 minutes. I think yeah. 70 minutes is the 
minimum for fe- the, to be considered feature length. Um, but to be released in theaters, I think it has to be 85 minutes or longer or like exhibitors won't bother. Hmm. So, uh, really excited to get into the next phase of the Jurassic saga. We're heading into Jurassic world next week, a Mm -hmm. contentious movie to be sure, but that's for another time. Yes, indeed. Um, so, uh, join us next week to talk about that. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us. What have you got uh, going on in the world of podcasting that people can check you out on? Uh, I've got the Protagonist podcast and uh, Disney Animation Minute Essentials, both on dueling genre. Um, I mentioned some Disney animated stuff earlier on. That's because we are uh, getting into 101 Dalmatians. That'll be our next movie. And then uh, on on Protagonist, uh, all kinds of stuff. I think we actually haven't talked about Jurassic Park, which feels wild. Um, mm. and talking about great characters and great stories. We like look at that one. And we're like, why haven't we talked about that? You'd think that'd be in the first hundred, uh, <laughs> you know, movies that you want to talk about, but we haven't gotten to it. So we're saving, saving good stuff for, you know, our, our 400 some odd episodes. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's cool. All right. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the, that's what's been going on. All right. Well, uh, Can't thanks so much for, for joining us. Um, and everyone, uh, listening, you can hear uh, uh, Nick and I on all the Patreon stuff, dualandgenre.com uh, slash support. Um, if you're listening to this on Patreon, it's because you're getting it early, so you're welcome. Um, and if you are listening to us on the main feed, then right now on Patreon, we have a franchise potential every Friday um, going on through this whole Jurassic Park miniseries. So go check that out. I'm sure we're talking about um, some kind of Michael Crichton movie uh, this week. So um, check that out. And of course, as we've been hyping in the Colin Trevorrow era of Jurassic World, we're going to be talking about the Book of Henry. We're going to the be most talking- The most normal movie ever made. The most normal movie ever made. <laughs> we're going to be talking about uh, uh, his Duel of the Fates script, the, the, the film, the, the script that you know, we're talking about the film that got him fired from that, and we're talking about the movie that never got made. Um, and so those are some franchise potentials uh, during the Jurassic World era that we're going to be um, talking about. You're not going to want to miss those conversations. That is at DuelingGenre.com slash support. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next week with Jurassic World. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.